0: Cinemodities, late night movies with Rob, Ben, and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities, where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash
1: hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Ben. And I'm a really good lawyer. Okay, Ben, right off the fucking bat, before you saw this movie, did you know that Matt Murdock slash Daredevil was going to show up in it? I, I have been dying to ask you this since you saw this movie. <laughs>
0: I, I literally had no idea. And when I saw him, I was like, it's fucking Daredevil.
1: I, 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 I knew the like the day before, because I totally spoiled this movie for me. I, like, I wanted to read about it before I saw it, because I always do that nonsense. And I saw that he was in it, like Charlie Cox as Matthew Murdock. And I was like... Are you kidding me? They're bringing Daredevil into this? And I have to say, when he showed up, one person in my theater lost their fucking mind. And I'm going to put the clip of the audio from my viewing experience because I recorded my my theater-going experience. That's great. Thank you. Well, I have some good news here. This person, like two seats down from me, fucking fanboyed out when Daredevil showed up. And kind of internally, Ben, I did too. I thought it was really exciting.
0: Yeah, me too. I I mean, when I saw Matt Burdock, I was like, Fucking yes, Daredevil's here. <laughs> and then he catches that break and I was like yes daredevil and then they were like how did you do that and i was like they don't know he's daredevil yes
1: yes oh that was so cool i mean i guess we sh- i don't know if we've we haven't talked about it i think if we ever did on this podcast it would have been the first time you ever showed up but ben and i watched that daredevil stuff on netflix like together back in the day we were all about that show about kingpin especially
0: oh yeah i mean there i, I still remember like very blatant or like vividly that scene where that guy's just like, You have to kill me because if you don't, Kingpin's gonna kill me. Yes. And Daredevil's like, I don't kill people. And that dude just fucking throws his head down on a spike. Yes, that but, was
1: ridiculous.
0: <laughs> I, I just remember like losing my goom about that scene.
1: <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so I've, I've, like I said, I've been dying to talk to you about this since it happened because I was like, I don't think Ben's gonna know he's in this. And I, I really wanted to get your reaction. Turns out also from what I've been reading, Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin has been in the Hawkeye show on Disney Plus, so they're really tying all that back together, which I think is a pretty neat idea.
0: Oh, that's dope! I I really like that. I uh, especially because, well, at least with regards to Daredevil and Jessica Jones, and even the first season of Luke Cage, mm-hmm. that Netflix stuff was really good. What's what's the I- Iron Iron Baby fist, or, yeah. the, or the iron the Iron baby. baby Man? <laughs> that's an Iron something. That that one was was not so good, but. Uh, But no, the a lot of that stuff in the the Marvel Netflix universe was pretty dope. And I am very happy to see Matt Murdock if if, I, I don't even care if anybody else shows up matt is all that
1: matters yeah he was you know like the um the start of the net not really netflix it was netflix of course but really of the marvel tv shows and i'm glad they're tying them together and um it makes perfect sense i mean you know of course this is a continuation of our our spider-man series the spectacular spider month's giving we're finally finishing it up but you know like we said in there they're trying to tie all these things together and i and i think that they're doing it in a really neat way because we've been talking about how spider-man is the ground level hero like i I think you said it Ben on on an earlier episode that Spider-Man takes cares care of the problems that don't really go outside of New York and so does Daredevil and and that type of stuff. And blending them together is such a neat little idea. And and for also for the Daredevil show to have been on what? We were watching it in like 2013, 2014, you know, so 7 8 years ago. That's a I I I don't know. I I kind of was very gleeful to see that, which is surprising hearing uh, coming from me, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, to to hear you have anything positive to say about a Marvel movie, um, <laughs> that that is that is astounding. But no, I, I mean, I, I was in the same same boat. I, I saw Matt Murdock, and I was just like, I got a half chub, you know. Not, <laughs> I wasn't all the way there. I wasn't about to beat it in the theater or anything, but I was, you know. Taking that home for later.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. It was. It was pretty cool. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad we got that out of the way because really, that's all there is to say about it. its one scene. And, oh yeah. Uh, and yeah. Really I, I wish you had been in it more. <laughs> oh um, yeah. Yeah. Um. It, it oh. Is so oh, but luck. no. But- I'm I'm
0: glad you brought that up, because that that is like he catches that break and they're like, How'd you do that? And he's like, I'm a really good lawyer.
1: Yep. It's like <laughs> <laughs> fucking yeah, I guess that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> oh man. So okay, I'm I'm glad you said it. You know, it's surprising to hear me say anything positive about a Marvel movie. We're gonna have to get there, of course, but we have one thing to take care of before we start this. Of course, you haven't heard Zach yet, and Zach is not here and we always have to talk about... I know I've kind of been uh, you know, shirking on this a little bit because I always kind of blend together the Patreon when Zach's never there and when Zach's not on the main feed. But why is Zach not here? You might think, is he out working at the restaurant? Well, actually, no. This time, he's taken a hard and fast stance on something he said, I think, two years ago. Maybe a little less than two years ago. Maybe more than two years ago. Who the hell knows? We're living in the turnstile world, of course. Back when we did an episode on Avengers Endgame... In that, in the middle, somewhere in the middle of that episode, as we were complaining about the problems that movie had, Zach very exasperatedly said he's never going to see one of these Marvel movies again. And it turns out that that is exactly the case. I'm going to insert the clip right here. And for the record... After Endgame, like, I'm done with the Marvel movies. Like, And he is adamant he did not see this movie. Uh, that's totally a joke. Hopefully we'll get some of Zach's thoughts later on, but uh, that's why he's not here at the start. So let's just jump right into it, Ben. I, I know that um we saw this at different times. You saw it a lot more recently than I did. I saw it on opening day. So, you know, if, if you can, you'll probably be able to fill in some holes in my um, remembering of what happened in the order of things Um, when we get to that. But I wanted to say, I saw this first showing on opening day in Fort Collins at 3 p.m. It was like the first showing in Fort Collins. I was supposed to go with one other person. They had to drop out because I think they had, you know, whatever work go longer or whatever. They couldn't make it. And I didn't want to reschedule. I wanted to see it that first showing, you know, with that, all the people who really wanted to see it. And it was packed. You know, it was just, it was totally filled and it was a varied audience. There were little kids, there were the high school and college kids, there were older people. It was really a full demographic. And they were so into it, you know, it was like uh, they were electrified. Like I said, you know, um, when uh, Matt Murdock shows up, someone freaked out. Of course, when we talk about all the other people that show up in this movie, you better believe they got tons of applause breaks and stuff like that. It was a very electrifying experience. But of course, as we said last month in our uh, main series or the body of the series, Spectacular spider Man's Giving, I was not really looking forward to this movie. And, you know, when I um, when I went to see this movie, I was kind of like, okay, I got to do this for the podcast. Got to see it for completionism, almost. And I, w- I went to the theater, watched the movie, saw it with this very, you know, uh, electrified audience, um, left, went over to my friend's place, and they were like, oh, so you saw Spider-Man? And they were like, you know, what'd you think? Like, what's, what's, what's the problems with it? That type of thing. And I have to admit, I think I kind of like this movie. I had a, such a goddamn fun time watching this movie. So I am here to say that, I am pro Spider-Man No Way Home. How shocking is that, Ben? <laughs>
0: that's that's pretty shocking, especially considering it took me a little while to come around to this movie.
1: Actually, ooh, interesting. Okay, and, okay. And
0: I, I think specifically, and you'll probably know what I'm talking about, but there's a point kind of in the middle of the movie where this it just comes to a screeching halt. Ah, uh, sure, sure. And I really expected that to for you know for for you to hone in on that, but then I had some other issues, and one my biggest issue, I think. Uh, is that fucking Venom's
1: not in this movie? <laughs> well, until the post-credit scene. <laughs>
0: well, no, let's. So the post-credit scene for the second Venom movie indicates that Venom is on, in this universe. He got pulled here, yes, and he's like, "I want to lick Spider-Man for whatever reason," and then he just doesn't do anything about that. Yeah, and he... then he spends the entire duration of the movie. Still in wherever he is, Hawaii or whatever.
1: Yeah, the implication is that um he came through because of Doctor Strange's spell and Eddie Brock and Venom decided to just get drunk and ask a bartender about this universe or something for the duration of the movie, right? Is that the implication? Yes, okay. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and, and Venom's
0: even like, he's already told you this, blah blah. blah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um that that's interesting. I, I wonder, you know, maybe they want um to use Venom more later, which is my assumption, because the post credit scene, you know, shows when he gets zap- Eddie Brock gets zapped back, it shows a little bit of the symbiote left over on the bar table. So maybe they're trying to set that up for later for for bigger things. My my guess is that they didn't want to like kind of like get Venom in here and then pull him right back out. They want him to be more of a mainstay as they go forward. You know what I mean?
0: Sure, but I would have loved to have seen. I would have loved to have seen Spider-Man interact with this Venom, who is more of an anti-hero, mm. and then for the Venom that comes from his universe to be a villain, and then for him to be surprised by that at some point. Like, okay. that that would have been... Uh, whatever, it, it doesn't matter that much. But the Venom movie... Made me believe he was going to be in this movie. Yes. and I was yes. disappointed that that was not the case.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, no, that's fair. That's fair. So uh, this is this movie's been out for a while, of course. I know we're jumping all over the place. I think that's how it's going to have to go because there's there's a lot going on in this movie. Um, but, of course, we're going to spoil it. I, I don't think you can spoil it anymore. Everybody knows that this movie has every, everything from every Spider-Man movie in it ever, almost. Um, Tobey Maguire shows up. Andrew Garfield shows up. Uh, Doc Ock, you know, Will uh, Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin, all this stuff. Everybody's in here. I think everybody knows this.
0: So, the I, only yeah. one we don't get we don't get uh any any version of Harry Osborn oh, and yes. we don't get was it Topher Grace's Venom? Yeah, um, yeah, Toph for Grace's Venom back. Yep. <laughs> uh but I think that's I think that's it. I think those are the only two like main things that we don't from the
1: other universes yeah yeah um yeah there's no um no james franco no uh, harry osborne or anything like that um and then uh, but they they do have the reference of you know the whole bit of um uh, the Tobey mcguire oh god i uh, told mcguire and andrew garfield it's going to be so confusing referring to all these different spider-men when they talk to ned and they're like you know yeah, my best friend turned evil and tried to kill me and you know that's the one little hint they give to the um i guess what did harry he become Osborn. the hobgoblin yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah, no, then that the line was great because like Ned's like, do you guys have a best friend? <laughs> that he uh, I, he, he died in my. <laughs> he died in my in my arms after he tried to kill me. It was heartbreaking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I once again I have nothing wrong with that. I have to. I also have to say I think in this movie, you know, my main complaints from the first two were that I hated Ned and um, Zendaya. And, uh, or Zendaya, whatever the hell we decided it was called. I, I like them better in this movie because I, I think there's so much going on that they don't have enough as much to do. So I don't have a much as much, like, hatred for them. Um, don't get me wrong, they still have some bothersome moments and things like that. Uh, this isn't a perfect movie. But I think that this movie spread itself so thin I couldn't really, like, complain about too much. Because not really—nobody had too much to do except the spider Man at the end, you know? Yeah,
0: well, and I think that kind of is one of my complaints
1: that— okay. um, I
0: really wanted to see, like, I just wanted more time spent exploring the crossover of the universe, whereas, like, we jump right in, you know, and and Doc Ock and Green Green Goblin reveal themselves, Mm -hmm. and then we're right back with Doctor Strange, and he's like, I already captured the lizard, and who else did he capture? I think he had two of
1: them uh maybe i know he definitely gets the lizard the lizard was didn't. really weird like i there's must have been something because the lizard is in this so little and when he is in it he's almost completely in shadows and it's very strange it's like they they didn't want to like or maybe risa fons like didn't want to come back too much or anything maybe you know they're like the cgi wasn't good so they could put it in shadows i mean there's also that whole segment where uh peter parker one you know peter one or tom holland he like takes everybody back to john favreau's like apartment and they're just like where's lizard he wanted to stay in the truck and i'm like is that like because they didn't want to animate him because he, they didn't want to get a voice actor i thought that was such a strange decision where they're just like yeah he's just in the truck and they ignore him for like 20 minutes
0: yeah definitely um but yeah so what i was saying is like you know we get back to Doctor strange he's like I already got one of them. I'm going to give you this magic device that just automatically transports them here. Yes. And then before you know it, he's captured all of them. And you're like, I mean, okay, like, sure, they're going to get out and there's going to be more to this movie. But I really expected that initial capturing to, to be more of the movie. Um, I expected to see Tom Holland fight these these villains from other universes for, like, a more extended period of time. Ah, uh, okay. And then it goes straight from that into, you know, like like to the John Favreau's house scene to um, Marissa Marisa Tomei dying. Mm-hmm. And it's like that, at least that stuff's kind of quick. But then we get it. Then we get the other Peters show up and it's like, bam, this movie hits a wall.
1: Yes, it, it definitely it definitely hits a wall. It definitely slows down. There's a lot of the three of them interacting where they the movie just lets it breathe. Like the um, when they're waiting for all the villains to show up at the Statue of Liberty. They they just the movie really just lets them all just sit there and talk to each other, and I I think I gotta say that's the stuff I liked the most. I really liked them all talking to each other for some reason. Like I well, I think the movie actually like let them encounter each other in not maybe not encounter you know but converse with each other in clever ways that I I wanted from this crossover. I think.
0: So I actually uh, the stuff at the Statue of Liberty. I actually really did like all that. Um, you know, we get the bit about Toby Maguire shooting actual webs and yes. not needing web fluid.
1: That's and, what I wanted like, so badly and they did it. And I was very happy about it. <laughs>
0: right. So like that that was really good. I was definitely very pleased with that. Um the stuff I didn't like was like the awkward silence in the lab.
1: And it's mm. not
0: it's not that I thought the awkward silence shouldn't be there, because this is three Peter Parker's and they're all pretty awkward. Yes. Like I'm okay I'm okay with that. Uh it just felt like Especially considering I wanted this movie to have venom and it didn't, I was like, Why did you dedicate twenty minutes to to them sure. in this lab and at the same time not really show how they developed the cures? And that Yeah. So like I you know, th- that was the thing. It's like, okay, it's it's quite the task. Spider Man has never been able to cure any of these villains before. Like that's never happened. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we get the three Spiderman's in the same room and we don't even get any indication as to to really, how they're doing it. Other than that, like Tobey Maguire's like, oh, I had like thirty years to research this or some shit. When he comes to the to the Green Goblin, because Tobey Maguire's old. Yes. Um <laughs> And then and Andrew Garfield's like, yeah, I I've cured Doctor Connors once before, and I can totally recreate that in a high school science lab. Yeah, and, I, and so like
1: I think it falls into that same thing we were saying about all the a lot of well, I think I think all the other Spider-Man movies is that. They always say that Peter Parker is very intelligent, but they don't really explain it at all. Like, this movie is like, they're all smart, so they just can do this. And it, they, they might as well have been in the high school lab, you know, or they might as well have been in, like, a dumpster or something. They're that smart. And it's the movie just telling us that.
0: Even some of the interactions they had during those scenes, I thought that they were pretty good, you know, like, we get some of the awkward stuff. But then there's the, ce- the scene where, where Ned's like, Peter, and they're like, which one? Yes. And he's like, Peter Parker. And they're like, that's still all of us. It's like okay that was fine but it, for one it didn't need to take nearly as much screen time as it did and for yeah. two I would have much been much happier to go kind of in and out of montage showing them you know with them showing us like they're mixing shit in beakers and things are exploding in their face or whatever mm-hmm. to the occasional awkward moment so we at least get the feeling that this took a long time because yeah while It's 20 minutes, and that 20 minutes feels pretty long. That's still not long enough to develop those cures. And we didn't get nearly enough, uh, I I feel like. I feel like there was no indication that there was any amount of failure involved either. And that's something that is never the case in Spider-Man. Sure. Like, every Spider-Man thing ever is that Spider-Man fights villain. Villain beats Spider-Man. Spider-Man develops some tech to fight Villain. Spider-Man beats villain like that's all there's always the element of failure and yep. they just didn't do that at all well I mean I guess other than what, something that wasn't actually a failure the the thing at John Favreau's place where um, the the baddies decide to team up against Tom Holland
1: yeah yeah and I, I think you know that's a good point because that's something that we talked about a lot with all the other Spider-Man movies that moment of failure and that you know him figuring it out or how to how to come back from it This movie does that in the sense of when they're all trying to fight at the Statue of Liberty, they have that one scene where they're like, we suck at this. We're getting our asses kicked. We're not working as a team. And they try and I I feel like they're trying to get at that. But then it turns into the um, the Avengers joke, which don't get me wrong, was a a fairly decent joke. You know, when Tom Holland's like, guys, I don't want to brag, but I was in the Avengers. And Tobey Maguire goes, great. What is that? Like, like, I like that joke, but I, I'm with you that there should have been more of a moment of failure type of thing.
0: Right, yeah, and, and I, I'm glad you brought that up, because I, I also like that joke. I, I love the idea that these other universe Peter Parkers don't have any idea what that means. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I love the idea that they're not even really aware of other superheroes, you know, because we didn't see any of that in their universes. Yes, um, the whole I, uh, I,
1: Andrew Garfield's like... I wish I could have, like, fought a space thing. I fought a guy in a rhino suit or whatever he says. Yes. He's <laughs> like, I, fought,
0: I fought a Russian in a rhino suit. Uh, I'm, I'm a loser. And then and then Peter, uh, Tobey Maguire's like, no, you're amazing. Yep. Like, say it, you're amazing. <laughs> and, you know, it's like a little nod at the fact that that was the amazing Spider-Man movies. And and I, I loved, like, I loved a lot of that. Um, It just, I, I felt like that scene in the lab, they could have given us all the corny jokes all the awkwardness, but also montage it in with some face explosions and given us the sense that there was some struggle involved. Sure. Sure. And that alone would have made, like they could have cut that from 20 minutes down to 10 and put some like fun music interspersed with those awkward moments. And that would have been a fantastic scene. But instead we get this like awkwardly silent scene and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that that couldn't have been an artistic choice that they were going for, because you have three three Peter Parkers, they're all awkward, all in the same room, we're going to get awkward silence, sure, but I think it was a bad choice.
1: You know what, You as you explain it this way, you, you, it brings up a, a great uh, idea or point to this movie that you are absolutely right. When they are cooking up those cures in the high school science lab, it should have been... Um, like you said, montage or something, whatever it be, it should have been riddled with trouble because yeah. they don't have Stark technology. When, earlier in the movie, at John Favreau's apartment, when he cures Doctor Octopus, they have Stark technology, and I totally get that in this universe. When you have a mystical, magical Tony Stark box, it can do whatever the fuck it wants perfectly the first time. I get that. When they're on their, when they're on like the on their, like, back heels, they're pushed against the wall, they have to go to the science lab, then they should have had some issues because they don't have the magic fix-all box, you know? It would have even been
0: interesting to see them have issues with, like, the laws of physics in this universe. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because
0: perhaps the elements are a little different and stuff. Like, there could have just been a number of things that they could have done that would have been fun and funny, uh, and they just... Instead, they went the awkward silence route, and I just think that that was a bad decision.
1: Yep, yep, no, yeah. As you explained it, I'm I'm totally with you on that topic as well as the um like getting used to this universe, um these all these different you know dimension or multiverse characters coming into this one. I think one of the things that I thought they did really well, um, which it it was like a perfect amount, I thought. When Electro gets the the um, Tony Stark's arc reactor, and he's like, "This is a different type of power and or energy than I've ever felt, and I'm addicted to it," I'm like, "That is fucking cool! Like, what if somebody from a different universe who feeds on electricity felt a different type of electricity? I'm like, that is awesome to me."
0: <laughs> uh, I, I love. He actually even says before he gets the arc reactor, he says that the energy like flowing through these lines is, is different, and I and I like the way it feels. Yeah, um, and and I I also like I was just like fucking right on like a little nod at at things being different, and I just I felt like they could have done more of that, but you know I'm kind of beating a dead horse at this point, I guess.
1: No, no, I'm I'm with you, I'm with you, um, and it's it's also kind of weird to talk about it in this way, where you know where it's like oh they should have fleshed this out more, it would have been cool to see more of this or change this in this way. Uh, th- this this movie is two and a half hours long. <laughs> I think it's kind of a testament that we're like, you know, oh, let's go deeper into that. Let's flesh that out. Like, I probably, I'm thinking back to my theater-going experience, I would have been on board for sitting there for another half hour, you know?
0: Well, same, same. And if they had cut, you know, like I said, if they had cut that, that science stuff or the lab stuff in half, maybe shortened a little bit of the stuff at, at uh, Ned's grandma's house,
1: uh, like, yeah.
0: they could have put in more of the stuff we're talking about. And not really increase the runtime by that much.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I the um the Ned's grandma's house thing, I they start, that's when, you know, I'm like, I'm glad they're bringing, you know, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire come back, but then they do the whole thing with the grandma speaking the, the language, which I, I read what it was called, but I don't remember exactly what, um, you know, and she's like, oh, can you go clean the webs up there and stuff like that? I am totally fine with cutting some of that down, you know? Maybe get rid of the grandmother completely. Sure,
0: yeah, and I mean... Like, we get to see Ned, like, use a sling ring and not really know how to use it. Like, that was dope. Like, we get Ned actually finally doing something. Yes. Um, other than being the guy in the chair. And you can take the guy out of the chair, but you can't take the chair out of the guy. Yes. <laughs> uh, or whatever it is that he says. But, but no, I, I, like, I just, I felt like a lot of that was dead time. And, yep. you know, it's great. Like, they're they're doing, like, this slow intro of the, the Spider-Man those, um, that, as far as I know, that wasn't spoiled with any of the previews. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think that it was. No. So, like, that's that was kind of... A, there was a big reveal, and the way they did it was dope, because they revealed Ned's powers, and then they revealed Andrew Garfield, and then they revealed Tobey Maguire, and that's great. But we didn't need... Five minutes of them not believing Andrew Garfield.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, exactly. I'm so with you there, <laughs> especially because then they just believe Tobey Maguire, you know.
0: <laughs> right. Well, and, and you know, like the, the thing that they could have been not believing Andrew Garfield and at the same time getting Tobey Maguire in the room and then they could have done their little Spider-Man, uh, you know. Dual mm-hmm. type of thing that they did where they jumped and shot webs at each other, and that they could have condensed that all down and still had like a great fun scene with a good pace, yes. Uh, but they didn't do that,
1: yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you, I'm with you, absolutely. Um, it's, it's not a, a perfect movie, like I said, but um, I, as we go on, I guess, I guess, I what I wanted to ask you, you know, because it, I think the theater going experience plays a big role, especially for me, especially with movies that you know I'm not really inclined to enjoy. Um, you know, there's a reason that I also I'm a fan of Avengers Endgame because when I saw that in theaters on opening night, it was wild, you know? It's like you can you're, you are electrified by the audience you're seeing it with. I wanted to ask you, Ben, I know you saw it much after its release date. What was your theater like? Was it still crowded, you know, when you saw it? I uh, Maybe, I think, what, you saw it like a, a week or two weeks after it came out or something? What, did you have a crowded theater? How was your theater-going experience?
0: No, I, I missed out on that, unfortunately. I, I had per- some personal things going on around that time, and I, I couldn't make it to the theater Closer to opening, which is what I would have liked to have done. But no, I, I unfortunately, I, I did see it with probably like 15 other people in okay. the theater with me. Uh, but but no, it was not crowded by any means. And there was little to no reaction to anything that was happening on screen.
1: Oh, interesting, interesting. Okay, okay. Um, um, I think I was the only person who,
0: you know, said anything about Daredevil. Okay. At <laughs> least as far as I could hear. sure. Um, sure.
1: Yeah, surprisingly, um, there's been a, ever since this movie came out, there has been a video, a few videos, I'm sure, rotating around the internet um, of when Tobey Maguire appears for the first time in the movie, of the applause that he gets. It turns out, in my theater, Andrew Garfield got way more applause than Tobey Maguire, and I don't, yeah, and I was actually very surprised by that, I I don't know if it's because like the theater or the the audience I had liked Andrew Garfield more. It also could have been that you know they cheered so hard for Andrew Garfield because he comes out first that they kind of lost some steam for Tobey Maguire. But I was very surprised by that. But but I was I was just you know excited to see Andrew Garfield anything because like we talked about I love me some Andrew Garfield and he's um, he's as charismatic as ever to me I think.
0: <laughs> that is that is actually one thing I, I did want to mention about. The Spider Man, they did keep them true to their universes pretty well.
1: Yeah, I I I was actually really surprised by that, especially after you know we watched all of these movies so recently, um, you know, in relation to to watching this one, that I was like, oh yeah, this this feels like them, you know. I mean, Tobey Maguire's older and he's you know not as. Um, as I, I think he's you know, it's just an age difference type of thing. But Andrew Garfield, you know, even the um what, the the ten years removed almost, eight, ten years removed, I was like, yeah, this feels like the amazing Spider Man type of thing.
0: Right, yeah, and and like we even get you know, in the lab scene we do get the little the little bit uh where where Toby Maguire says the thing about Harry Osborne's death. And it's like, yeah, there's good old Mopey Toby Maguire Spider Man that we know.
1: Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs>
0: you know, and, and uh Andrew Garfield we get we get the sense more that he was using that that comedy to hide his anger, which is kind of how the amazing Garfield universe plays it. Or the, the amazing Garfield <laughs> the, the Andrew Garfield uh universe plays it, is that like his his quippiness is has some some veiled anger behind it. And we we get you know at the end where he's like, I you know, one day I stop pulling my punches. Uh which I thought like that was a great thing for for his a character arc for his Spider Man to go through. Where the death of Gwen Stacy causes him to become so angry that he starts actually hurting people. Yes. Um, yes. And so I, I you know, I, I thought that was that was phenomenal. I, I can't remember. Did was there an Uncle Ben bit in the Andrew Garfield Spider Man? Yeah. Spider-Man?
1: Yeah. So um, it's uh, it's when um, right, it's at the convenience. Store, yes, the right? convenience store thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. So like we, that was something I thought was a little weird. We're like. Toby McGuire was like, my uncle Ben died, you know, because like Marissa Marisa, Marisa Tomei has, has died, and mm-hmm. they're trying to to like arouse not arouse, rouse Tom Holland, get him get him up and, yes. and moving again. Yes, and they're like, you know, we we've all lost people. Like I lost Uncle Ben. And I really was expecting Andrew Garfield to be like, I lost Uncle Ben too, <laughs> 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 uh, but he went with Gwen Stacy instead, which which was fine. But yes. I.
1: Um, which, of course, they they pay off later in the movie, which we'll have to get to the um the the climax the, of this movie is is like the biggest thing uh, that I think that we like almost like called it type of thing. But before before we get to that, I um uh let, let's keep I want to keep talking about the positives because I, that's, I think this movie like it, it's pretty surprising that I have so many positive things to say because we'll get to the negative. Don't worry. I am so into the fact that this movie started immediately where the last one left off, where um, what far from home left off. Like it is literally moment to moment. I thought that was such a neat idea. Yeah,
0: I, I I'm with you 100%. I I love that I honestly I like I, I love that we we get that moment to moment change and I I love that you know we see Peter Parker Tom Holland flying around with with Zendaya.
1: Yep. Uh, great uh, use uh, of they're playing the song uh, I Zimbra by Talking Heads and it's a perfect use of that song and that's when when the movie first started and they started playing that song and it's just the instrumental part which they knew to do like not put any of the lyrics in Um, I'm just like, oh, fuck, they're doing it right, you know? I'm like, a Marvel movie using a song correctly? Like, oh, this is going to be decent.
0: (laughs) Uh, I actually also really liked uh, the scene where Tom Holland, like, web swings over to the cafe to to open their MIT letters in plain clothes. Yes. I thought that that was phenomenal. It's like, okay, well, everybody knows he's Spider-Man now, so he doesn't have to hide um, anymore. He can just show up as Peter Parker. And I I thought that was great, and it actually reminded me of the 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 more recent animated Spider-Man, which is available on Disney Plus, I believe. Um, There is a a story arc where everybody gets spider powers, and then eventually they morph into giant spiders. Uh, But before they morph into giant spiders, everybody's all swinging around all in plain clothes, um, you know, just webbing around the town. And uh, there's there's a moment where. Or Peter Parker webs down into a storefront and like walks into the building without, you know, having to, <laughs> having to obscure his identity at all. And it just, it felt so reminiscent of that. I was like that, that couldn't have been an accident. Like they had to be nodding to okay. that animated universe. Sure. sure. So, I so I love that too. You know, um there really were a lot of, a lot of good things in this movie. Like even, even like when they first introduced Doc Ock and, and Tom Holland is looking, he's on the bridge looking for that, uh the MIT
1: Oh, the admissions lady. Whatever, yeah.
0: the admissions lady. And and he's just like, you got to let my friends in. And, you know, I'm, I just want my friends to have a chance. Like, they shouldn't be punished for knowing me. Like, even that's like, this is a good version of Peter Parker. Like, Peter Parker should do this. Yes. And he should also be willing to, to just help his friends and not help himself in that situation, which he is. Like, that's great. That's all very good Peter Parker character stuff. So yeah, there's definitely a, a lot of good stuff in in the first half of this movie.
1: I um I definitely uh, loved the visuals. I want to specify visuals. We'll get to the talk the talking that happened during it. The fight between Doctor Strange and Spider Man. Those visuals in the what is it called the mirror dimension or whatever Doctor Strange yeah, yeah. uses, fucking awesome. I was like, this is this is great to see that on a big screen is one of those things where I'm like, you know, this is cool type of thing.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I mean. It- It's kind of a throwback to just Doctor Strange fractals in the movie. They they definitely give us like some you know the the train wrapping around itself and becoming uh, multiple trains all spinning, and we get the portal thing, uh, you know, which which whether it is or isn't a nod to the actual game Portal where you can put one portal (laughs) above you, one portal below you, and then fall forever. We get that thing going on where where Tom Holland is just falling forever between the two train cars. Yep, and then and then we even see like. Uh, the cape gets involved, and then like Tom Holland shoots onto the cape, and like now he's he has his web going through one portal and coming out the other, and holding him still because it's attached to the cape.
1: And like yeah, that,
0: that was all like a big fun little fight. Which also, I have some questions for you about portal dynamics. Um, <laughs> okay,
1: <laughs> portal dynamics. I like that <laughs> specifically. Okay,
0: so given given the situation where you know we see his web going. Out, out one side, or through one portal, and through, and out, out the other to, uh, to grab onto the cape. Um, let's, let's imagine that you have a metal rod that is exactly the length of the, you know, the distance between the two portals. And okay. You, and you put the metal rod between the two portals, and you slide it, start pushing it out, you know, through one portal, and its other end comes out the other, and it's touching itself, right? Sure. It's exactly the same length. Yeah. All right, now weld that shit together. Okay. What have you just done?
1: Uh, infinite metal rod. Well, is the question what is what have I done while the portals are still there? What's going to happen to it after the portals are gone? I guess because because if the portals are still there, it's just going to be a it's just going to stay there, right?
0: Right. So if and it, suppose it's the infinite falling thing, then you just have like this one metal rod continuously falling. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 While
1: the portals um, are open, absolutely.
0: So yes, what happens when the portals go
1: away? Mm, okay, the, that's the, a tough the,
0: question. <laughs> so. You know, in 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 theory, uh, you have created some kind of circle because you've welded one end of the rod to, to its other end. Yes, uh, I suspect that the portals will just like cut wherever it is, and now you
1: have a, a one metal rod again. That's that's, that's what I was going to say. Is like when the portals close, do they sever whatever is in the portal? Like when it when it closes? Um, okay,
0: like... so yeah, now. For for the the harder question,
1: doesn't that happen? Just to, if you might remember, doesn't that happen in Doctor Strange? Doesn't someone get a portal closed on like their hand or something and it cuts it off? For the, I could be thinking of a million movies with portals, though.
0: Sure. So I, I think I do think that that's how it's supposed to work. Okay. Okay. I now imagine that you have this setup, and you can actually start to move the portals away from each other. Okay. What the fuck happens to this mm. rock? <laughs> be- because <laughs> if it was not attached to itself. If it was not welded in the middle, yeah, uh, you would expect that as, you know, let's hold one portal stationary, move the other one away. The same amount of the rod is sticking through the portal that's moving away, and it's just yeah. getting further away. Yeah, they right? just have
1: more distance between them, yeah, the two ends of the rod, yeah.
0: Okay, but now it's welded together. Okay. So the same amount is trying to be sticking out, but to do so, it has to be pulling the rod, right? Sure. Is the rod getting longer?
1: Mm, that's like, an, okay. are, you,
0: are you creating new material? Does the rod... That, that's, that to, was my question
1: to, was going to be is, is it going to create new, like more matter or is it going to like spread out the atoms of the rod and make it, like you said, maybe thinner or less stable, maybe um, uh, easier for other atoms to pass through something like that?
0: Right. So that's, that's my, my question for you about portal dynamics. Um, and if you want to ponder it while we're discussing this,
1: feel free and we can revisit it later. <laughs> I Plus. do I do want to ponder it. I don't but see, right off the bat I don't think that it would create more rod, right? How like could- it, exactly how could it but also then i guess the also the question becomes is you know this in this weird mirror dimension it probably could because dr strange seems to be able to create trains like 16 trains out of one train you know that type of thing right
0: well this doesn't have to be in the mirror dimension exactly strange yeah. can open
1: the, right. sure sure so but yeah let, yeah so let I, I would i would prefer to frame this in the non-mirror dimension because if we're in the mirror dimension the answer is it can do whatever the fuck it wants right <laughs> there's exactly because we don't yeah. understand in the real world what would happen it would I, I, I will ponder it, but I feel like it's going to have to destabilize in some way. Right. So,
0: I mean, perhaps this is just a great way to make a giant fucking explosion. That, that's the other uh, thing
1: I was going to say. Is is this some, like, Marvel Universe version of splitting the atom?
0: <laughs> I, I've always I've always found that concept kind of funny because in the Portal video games, I don't think portals can close on things and break them.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Um. So I've, I've always been curious in the Portal video games if you could do that would it would you end up with like a circle i don't i don't know i don't have answers just questions
1: yeah, and so and so the other the other thing uh, that it, that brings up with what you just said makes me think of, you know, it, it's it seemed— or I was thinking when you posed that question that we are just— you know, we have two portals, and we are just kind of, you know, straight-line distance moving them away from each other. What if we started to change, like, their orientation? Like, they weren't at, like, you know, east and west. What if we—they started east and west with this rod through it. What if we could move one portal to, like, north on the uh, cardinal directions? That would have to bend the rod, of course. Um, I, i mean i say of course because that's the first thing i think of but not of course that that has to be the answer but you know what i'm saying like if we change the orientation of these portals in the three-dimensional plane wouldn't that also require that you know some type of matter is either being created or it's being thinned out in some way
0: right well so i I think the the only answer we're going to get to that's satisfactory is that this is really a question for (laughs) spinsky
1: yes yes um uh yeah, shoot him an email. Um, and ask him how, how we can embed this into a Hedgehog space. <laughs> <laughs> um, anybody who uh, knows how to embed a portal of Doctor Strange's into a Hedgehog space, email us cinemasatgmail dot <laughs> No, that's a, that's a good question though. That's a good question. Um, it's the it's the questions the Marvel Universe never will ask or answer. I think. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Which, which is why attention. we have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's no good. answer they
0: gave would be satisfying.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, remember Endgame? You know the whole thing. It's like, how does time travel work? <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think about I, it. Uh... They're like, they're like stop it. Don't think about it. You know. And then they even have Paul Rudd make the diehard jokes, and they're just like, yeah, they like laugh, laugh at us. Don't think about it.
0: <laughs> uh, I really suspect that if the metal is ductile, that you'll eventually just end up with wire.
1: Okay, okay, I like
0: that. But then, but then, like, you have to imagine that the portal is somehow supporting. The weight of the rod, in like, because if you're pulling wire, mm-hmm. metal into wire, like something has to be holding it still.
1: Yes, it's absolutely. holding itself still. Like oh, that is that? That's a great. Oh god, this makes me think of uh, there was this was years ago. I I remember I got so I think it was high school or some shit. I got so interested in the idea. Like, what if you took a rubber band and you like in you and you hold it like between your thumb and index finger on both hands, so you have two ends of a rubber band and you stretched it. What would happen if you released both ends of the rubber band at the exact same time? And of course, no friction or anything. The, the common thing you think is like, well, it's going to snap back. But it's like, well, snap back to what? I think that's the same thing you're getting at. It's like, well, what's holding this in place anymore, right? Fucking crazy. Yeah, that is that
0: is pretty similar. Uh, with with the rubber band, the correct answer is that it will reform back to its original shape and size. Uh, and the center. your fingers will be in the center of that if you bring them together quickly enough.
1: Oh, okay. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, that's a that, but, great thought experiment, that type of stuff, you know. It's like, well, what if it's like, well, what would happen? It's like with springs and and anything bouncy like that. But yeah, with these portals, it's kind of like I also think that when we're when we're talking about it, we, it like seems like both of us are very hooked on this stretching idea and and maybe that's not the case. I don't know, you know, but it I don't it's a crazy question. This is awesome. <laughs>
0: And then, of course, you know the, the next question that you that you obviously are going to want to jump to is what happens is you if you push the portals together.
1: Sure, okay. sure.
0: Now you have the same amount of matter occupying less space,
1: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. at least in in that one dimension. So does it does it expand? Does it become denser? Like I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know.
0: Does the matter cease to exist? Um, if if so then perhaps in the other direction, the matter is just kind of spontaneously air quotes created, but it's really all the matter that's ceasing to exist from people
1: doing the other thing. Sure. That, um, yeah, who crazy. knows? Who yeah, knows? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, uh, I am betting that when Zach hears this episode, he will be very happy he was not here for it. <laughs> <laughs> if he was here, I know he'd say, this is the weirdest Spider-Man No Way Home discussion. <laughs> no, but that's and great going, questions.
0: <laughs> uh, we can get back to Spider-Man now, but I definitely... I've, I've had I've had fun thinking about that, you know, when the power's out or whatever. Yeah, sure. I just wanted to share that.
1: <laughs> yes, um, yeah, definitely. If anybody has the thoughts write in, that's so uh, something that's a great question. Okay, yes. Uh, I'll we'll ponder that. We'll, we might come back to it uh, because of course portals are the essence of the Marvel universe these days. Um, but uh yeah, so so other things like that whole Doctor Strange fight. Uh, maybe with that, like I said, I I prefaced it with I loved the visuals of that fight. I could not stand the dialogue. Like when Tom Holland is getting all fucked up by Doctor Strange in the mirror dimension, and he goes, Wait, I know mathematics! And he fucking wins, and then he leaves, and he's like, I just totally beat Doctor Strange. I was like, Boo, Marvel. Don't have him say that, you know? Because what? He says something like, I know geometry, and he's like, Wait a minute, is that an Archimedean spiral? The mirror dimension is just geometry? You're great at geometry, you can do geometry. Square to buy my bye. pi. points along the curve. Over, Parker. I'll come pick you up when it's done. Uh, hey, Strange. You know what's cooler than magic? <laughs> Math. Uh, it's. It, I came off as so clunky and dumb to me. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Definitely. And I. I have to agree. Like 100. I also know geometry. <laughs> but I don't know how to make a Rube Goldberg machine out of fractal boulders and spiderwebs.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> it's you know, that's not it's not the
1: same thing. No, um, not at all. Not at
0: th- all. Th- knowing math isn't isn't a superpower in the way that they would want us to believe from this scene.
1: Yes. So. I uh, the thing that it really that really made it was I thought it would be cuz I was thinking like I hated that dialogue and I was also kind of thinking was like, well, how would they show like not tell like get rid of the dialogue because it comes off so clunky where he's like i know mathematics like how would they show that instead of tell us that and the only thing i could come up with then is that spider-man's getting all messed up by doctor strange and he like you know has a flashback to let's just let's just run with the joke still he has a flashback to uspensky drawing the diagonal argument on the board and then he figures out how to beat doctor strange
0: (laughs) yeah i mean that would have been better I what came to mind when you said show not tell is uh, like it, it showing like a close up on his face and and then a close up on like rocks that he's looking at and then like imaginary angle lines being like, <laughs> drawn on them, <laughs> uh, kind of the way that I visualize pool shots. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> and and then him and then him being like like even you know like a, an imaginary like velocity vector and and then like. You know, go, go back to him and then might as well just fucking let's go for it. Just light bulb over his head. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Uh, No, I I don't know. I don't know how you can make that less clunky. um,
1: Yeah. Other than
0: like, he could have just not said anything and then came out the other side and been like, I'm pretty sure I just beat him with geometry.
1: Yeah, um, oh, and that... yeah, that'd be perfect. Like, if, if there was a moment when it seems like, you know, Tom Holland is down and out and and Doctor Strange is going to, like, you know, capture him here and, and, you know, do send all the people back to their universe and then come back to get Spider-Man, but then somehow the tables are turned and Spider-Man ends up winning, and then, you know, he says to Ned and uh, MJ, like, I, I think I beat him with, like, my knowledge of, of math or something like that, you know? And yeah. then, then there could have been, like, a quip—it would have been very Marvelitis like but there could have been a quip, like, you know— it's like, you beat Doctor Strange with what we learned in Trig or something like that, you know? <laughs> Even, I,
0: I think we should just remove as many words from that as possible. He, he <laughs> should just come out, look confused, and be like, I think geometry is useful. Sure, sure. And yeah, like that, Keep it as, you know, as
1: clean and lean as possible.
0: Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, that that was definitely groan-worthy.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. To, to any mathematician in the audience, I'm sure we're still... <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um another uh, so some other stuff in the the like I mentioned uh, the Marvel itis of this like we talked about with the other Tom Holland movies. I really really wished that the scene with our three teachers of Peter Parker in this movie was better. You know, we get um uh, we get um JB Smoove, Martin Starr and uh, Hannibal Burris, they're all coming back from the first two movies. And what, you know, Martin Starr is like, oh we we are worshipping you like we're so glad you're here at our school and what uh, uh what's Hannibal Burris is like, you murdered somebody, or what he's still like the um the uh the naysayer of the superheroes. I wish that was better with how much fun those teachers were in the last two movies.
0: Sure. Uh I, I did I did actually like some of that where like the, the one dude the nerdy guy with the glasses is like you know the students built this for you, oh, and Hambleworth Helm- yeah. is like, "No, you built
1: it." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that was pretty funny. He's like, "No, that was all you, man." <laughs> yeah, like I thought
0: that was I thought that was pretty good. Uh, and then like you know they they made the thing. They're like, "Oh, you can swing through the halls," and Peter's like, "No, I'll, I'll walk." Yeah, like, that was yeah. fine. But no, I mean, give Burris more. Give him more freedom.
1: Exactly. I mean, he's he's a really funny dude. He's a great screen presence. He's what... He's so deadpan and so monotone. It's, like, almost refreshing in this movie that's so loud and bombastic. Which is so weird to say that, you know, something quiet is refreshing. But it's like, that's what I loved about him in that first movie where he's like, I gotta show this Captain America video because the state wants me to, but I don't know, he might be a war criminal. And it's like, that is so dour compared to everything else in the movie that it stands out and it's fun. They should have played with that more and of course
0: i mean i'm a little biased because i think Hannibal versus it's a very funny comedian as well but i just i would have loved to see a little more of him yeah just being quippy about peter parker and not trusting him and stuff yes but overall i i didn't i didn't hate that scene but but it also like that was another moment where like there was some awkwardness and it's like they leaned really hard into awkward for this
1: yeah definitely, definitely. I, I thought that was such a
0: weird decision
1: yeah yeah when you when you you know say it that way and remind me of it, I definitely feel it i I guess when I came out of the theater, I had no real. I had some sense of it because these Marvel movies always play with awkwardness in some way, but with such the, with the audience I saw it with being so into it, it like, you know, almost glossed it over because a lot of those awkward moments people were laughing at. And maybe it wasn't like thunderous, raucous applause, you know, from the entire audience, but there were always good pockets of people, a good amount of pockets of people laughing about these things. So it definitely blinded me to it. You know, I'm not denying that. But when you, when you bring it up and I look back and, you know, just in kind of my in my memory in my mind's eye it's like oh yeah that was really like just like slow and awkward awkward's the best way to put it
0: (laughs) well you know it's it's like watching friends without the laugh track like if you go back and watch this movie by yourself it might make you uncomfortable at times sure and that's not like i'm not saying that that's always a bad thing it's just a weird decision for a spider-man movie
1: yeah yeah i'm with you i'm with you um speaking of speaking of laughter there was a moment in this movie, um, something I I'm, 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 <laughs> want to do in movie theaters. Um, I like to laugh at things that other people don't laugh at. It's not like I look for places to do this, but you know, I, I like unintentionally funny moments and whether or not they're unintentionally funny to everybody. Um, it's always great. Like when I am the only one laughing at something in a theater, um, it happened back in star Wars episode nine, when um, Hux reveals that he's the spy. I, I laughed hysterically in the theater and I was the only person laughing Um, happened recently with House of Gucci. Uh, My group of friends were laughing crazily at really dramatic parts of the movie because it comes off as so weird. But the scene when Aunt May dies, it is supposed to be played so deathly seriously. And it is. It is very serious, and you feel it. it's the big loss for Tom Holland, you know. And it's, uh, I think they try and really play it as as hard for Tom Holland as you know Tony Stark's death was. And it's a really, really serious moment. But the movie. I undercuts itself because somehow Happy Hogan is able to drive his car directly between the blown up building and the SWAT team coming to the building and he just so he can have the moment with Peter where they make eye contact and like and Happy Hogan realize what has what has happened. You know the moment I'm talking about where Happy Hogan like just drives yeah. up out of nowhere. Yeah, I do. I laughed yeah. so hard in the theater and I was the only one laughing.
0: <laughs> yeah, that place to me. I don't think that I, I went so far as to laugh, uh, but when I saw it, I was like, this like, it, he's gonna get shot. Yeah! Like He, he shouldn't have done that. Exactly. You know?
1: And I I was laughing at just the absurdity of it. I'm like, how did he get there? Like, there's there's like tons of like police cars around the building. There's tons of rubble because there's been so many explosions. But then there's just like a nice little driveway that the set designers left free of rubble so he could drive up with no problem. <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: It was just such a strange decision. And, and of course, I get that, you know, the whole Happy Hogan and, and Aunt May thing, they have all their, their things going on throughout the movie, and so they needed that moment. But I'm just like, what a weird way to... It's a literal shoehorn. Like, between the SWAT team and the building, he is literally shoehorned into the movie. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, And so something else, like, the way she dies is... Very similar to the way Green, uh, Willem Dafoe dies in the first Spider Man oh, Sam, Sam Raimi.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, she, she gets hit with his glider, and I'm not sure if he's on it at that point or not, but uh, I don't think, yeah.
1: So. yeah, I don't remember exactly, but yeah, you're, you're exactly right. They're trying to, to do that, you know, um, that mimicry, that echoing of those movies, and um, which they, well, they do a lot within this.
0: Right. Yeah. Of course, they do it later with with Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire kind of getting a chance to like redeem themselves, yep.
1: I guess, yep. for things that
0: they thought were mistakes.
1: That's that's I re, that's what I really want to talk about is that that thing that whole like end of the movie. But I guess before we get there. In that, so we really, this movie really is like two halves. You have like before the Spider-Man and after the Spider-Man. Like the movie, like you said, there's that wall that it hits when uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield show up. Was there anything else in the first half that you wanted to mention? I'm trying to think if I had anything else in there. I don't think I did. I mean, oh, I, I can't stand the banter between. Um, uh, Wong and uh, Doctor Strange, where he's like, oh, "That's a that's a bad spell. Don't do that spell." I'm not. I'm almost like, "Who? We know the movie has to happen. Why is this in here?"
0: So I don't know where where or when it was revealed that Wong is sorcerer supreme. Perhaps that was something I was already supposed to know. But when I when it was revealed to me that Wong is sorcerer supreme, I like the old, the thing that ran through my mind is like, "Didn't we just see him cage fighting in Shang Chi?" Oh, he! Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, he—he's like cage fighting.
1: Okay. And he like
0: he's fighting this giant monster thing, and he uses a portal, and, and like the thing punches at him, and he opens a portal in front of its fist and a portal behind its head, so he it punches itself in the head and knocks itself out.
1: Okay, gotcha. And,
0: and I was like, "Why is the Sorcerer Supreme like doing underground cage fighting?"
1: <laughs> okay, I did not know he was doing that. Yeah, I um, I took it as this was the movie that revealed that information because you know okay. I, I haven't seen Shang Chi. I haven't you know the last one I saw was Endgame. Not that there's been big things going on in Eternals, Shang Chi, or Black Widow. Um, but I just thought that was like you know this was supposed to be the reveal. I didn't think too much of it. And what the explanation is that it would have been Doctor Strange, but he was gone for five years because of the. The bloop or whatever the fuck they call it, the, the snap, the yeah, no, the blip. Okay, yeah, the bloop is that underwater noise. <laughs> right.
0: Flash wrote a book called oh. Flashpoint.
1: Yes, I, uh, I, that and, got some chuckles in my audience. That little reference, yeah. Is it the
0: reference to the DC
1: universe. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, I definitely like. I was like, that's a, that's a weird thing to throw a nod at, but sure, all right. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I'm enjoying it. I. I'm aware of Flashpoint, and I enjoyed the animated movie and some of the other stuff around it. Uh, so cool, but also, how'd you get the rights?
1: <laughs> sure. Yep, yep. Um, I, I did find it weird that Flash, uh, in this movie, of course been in the previous two, um, he's always said that he's been friends with Spider-Man, and he's still on that kick in this movie, even though he knows being friends with Spider-Man will ruin your life, you know? Yeah. And I was like, why? Cuz that whole thing where he's like, he what Peter Tom Holland calls Flash and he's like, "Flash, you know, I, where's the um, admissions lady?" That type of thing. I need I need your help and he's like, "You got to be my best friend, you got to swing me to school." And I'm like, everybody who's ever been seen with Spider-Man now is treated as a criminal. Like, why would you want this?
0: Yeah. Um well, he also may not know the degree to which that's happening.
1: It, yeah, sure so it could the- be. Yeah.
0: But he also did write the book where he says he was friends with Spider Man. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly.
0: And so I don't know why he's not getting the same level of attention as other people. Other than that there's no real life evidence of their friendship.
1: Yeah, it seemed like it was just thrown in there to keep that, you know, a little cap to have that character again. Um also also in the first half, to get up something you said before, the um the capture sequence. You know, like you said, it is really quick that what, Doctor Strange gives them the um the thing in the suit to shoot them back to their cells in the in the Uh, Doctor Strange's portal cells, whatever the hell it is, and um, the big capture sequence is what? Between um, Tom Holland, uh, Sandman, and Electro. And you're right that I thought that was going to be a little more drawn out, but it really is like these two villains pop up. Electro's really enthralled with this different type of electricity. And Sandman is like, Peter, I'm here to help you, you know, kind of going off of the end of the of Spider-Man 3 from the Raimi trilogy. It was pretty strange that we didn't have like that, you know, what you'd expect the perfunctory, you know, action sequence at that middle of the movie to be. But I guess, you know, they, they don't do that, so they have the Doctor Strange thing later. But I'm with you that it is it is pretty quick that they're just like, you know, what's going on? Zap, zap, now you're in your cells, that type of thing.
0: So, to that point, like, there, so, Doctor Strange turns Spider-Man's, like, nanotechnology suit into that gun thing, mm-hmm. and then Spider-Man can't use his nanotech suit for the rest of the movie, which is probably just to put him in a suit that's more similar to the other spider Man for later. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Uh, it's neither here nor there. Uh, but one thing I did like, well, was, like, Doctor, Ch- or Doc Ock rips the nanotech off of him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, ooh, nanotech! It's like, you know, I I want to use this and and it's like that that moment in every probably every superhero show ever (laughs) where it's like, oh no, we're accidentally feeding the villain and he's getting stronger. And like that's the exact opposite of what happens. That's just like his his handicap. Yeah. Like the NanoTech goes on him and then Peter's like, oh I can actually lock you down now. And I was I, I was like, oh man, like you I thought you were about to give me like Doc Ock powered up.
1: Yeah, I, I was with you, and and maybe that, that's like the other side of the coin, where you know we we were saying that I love the fact that Electro got you know the arc reactor of uh, Stark's arc reactor. I don't like the fact, like you just said, that this other Tony Stark technology limits Doc Ock. It, it does make sense that, you know, the Stark nanotechnology would override this, like, AI from Otto Octavius in the Raimi trilogy, but then it is it is really, like, he is just tied up. Doc Ock is tied up for, you know, his whole part of the movie, almost.
0: Right. Well, and it's... It, I don't know. So, I mean, I guess it depends to some degree how the nanotech works, mm-hmm. but... The th- Presumably, the nanotech is probably just communicating with the the larger body. That's how I like, took why,
1: it. Yeah.
0: Why did it coat his arms to begin with?
1: <laughs> yes, I agree with that. That it just kind of happens <laughs> because like, it has to they, happen.
0: They they definitely made it seem like Doc Ock was like, "Ooh, I can like eat this," but like, mm-hmm. there's there's nothing in Doc Ock's history to suggest that his arms should be able to do that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And and there's like so. I don't know. I guess I'm kind of thinking like Big Hero Six, like that that nanotech thing. So anyway, I just I wanted him to get more powerful and for that fight to be to be pushed up a notch. And instead, it's like it completely
1: stopped. Yes, yeah, yeah. And and I I kind of get where they're going with it, because they they do make, of course, Doc Ock the first one to be cured and the first one to really be like, holy shit, what have I been doing? You know, this technology took me over. When we talked about the Raimi movies, there was that whole idea where I was like, Doc Ock is still just a dude. Like, he just has, like, mechanical arms that have, like, powerful AI that overrides his brain, but he's still just a guy. Like, if he took a punch to the face, he'd still break his jaw type of thing. And so I feel like they wanted him to be, like, the essence of oh we can save these characters and Alfred Molina like I've always said he's a great actor when he gets the um the the thing put on his neck to like undo his evilness AI and he's like oh god and he like has that realization of what he's done I'm like cool I'm like I dig that you know I'm like that's a nice little touch I think I thought at least
0: I'm totally there for that like putting an inhibitor that stops the AI from from you know being as thoroughly attached to his his brain like i'm all for it that should stop uh it probably shouldn't shouldn't undo the mental damage that he sustained from from being controlled by these ai for however long which i guess realistically was probably only like a couple weeks in in the spider-man <laughs> 2 universe yeah. so that, that's fine um like the green goblin shows up and then and then peter's just like moved right back to Oh, that's that's who else was in the, the cage, I, I
1: guess. Ah, uh, was... yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, because um Hello? Willem Defoe, Norman Osborne, he gets he goes to um Aunt May at the um at the uh the, the homeless shelter, the, or the food the food bank or whatever it is.
0: Right. I'm guessing that Doc Ock was
1: Hold back in with with Peter or with Tom Holland. Yes, I believe that's the case. Yeah, 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 because it's it's the the lizards there from um Doctor Strange, and then Peter brings back Doc Ock, and then I think that's when he's like Doctor Strange says like like shit's going wrong. All these di- visitors from other dimensions are coming into our stuff. You got to go catch capture them all, and that's when you know uh, Doc Ock is in that cage, and he's just like stop asking me questions, and he's angered and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he's in there. He's in there.
0: Now that you brought up Doctor Strange, you, you reminded me of some like problems. And I don't I don't think it's actually a problem in the sense that I think Doctor Strange's character is very or, or Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange he's a very cocky character. Mm-hmm. And so, like he goes to he's doing this spell at the beginning to, to that causes this problem, and uh, and he's just like, quit messing with the spell, Peter. But yes. It's like why didn't he just fucking stop? I don't get me wrong. I get it. The movie has to happen, but why didn't he
1: just stop? I I completely start over. Uh, And also, I'm with you in that line where he's like, you know, he's like, Peter, stop messing with the spell. I don't know how Doctor Strange magic works. I, I, in-universe in or in reality, in any dimension, but it seemed to me, at least from the visuals we were seeing, that every time Peter made a change, Doctor Strange would just be like, okay, I'm going to save that first ring of spells as a draft and start a new one. Wouldn't you just stop and restart, like you said, right? Wouldn't that be the thing to do? Maybe you can't do that in Doctor Strange world, but I, I don't know, it just seems so obvious. <laughs>
0: Exactly. And like he clearly had the ability to contain it. So why not just contain it before it was finished being casted if he couldn't stop casting it? Mm -hmm. Didn't make any sense. Whatever. Like maybe he's just so cocky he thinks he can handle it. But if he thought he could handle it, why did he warn Peter in the first place? So maybe that's, eh, you know, it's not not perfect.
1: Yes, yeah, but you're right. It is totally. It's it's the um, it's the Marvel thing of you said it best. The movie has to happen, you know. It's the reason that Tony Stark invents time travel in an evening in Endgame because the movie right. has to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, I, I I wanted to talk about also in the first half, but this really goes to the whole movie. Willem Dafoe. Has not missed a beat in goddamn what nineteen years. He is he is just as good as the Green Goblin as he was in the first um, Raimi movie. He is so good at the evilness of the Green Goblin. But I also thought I love that he gets time in this movie to play the damaged Norman Osborn, and he is so good in it. I, like in the scene at the um the homeless shelter with Marissa Tomei, and he's like I don't know where I am, and he like it's heartbreaking how well he's. Displaying, like, you know, a, a mentally broken man, because in the Rainy movie, that's what he was. He was like his his experiment super soldier thing, like gave him that evil, like schizophrenic side type of thing. And we don't usually we didn't usually get to see that very sad, you know, almost like reserved or pushed down personality that he he started with and really owns and this movie lets that breathe and I loved it like I was heartbroken by some of his stuff in the first half of the movie but then of course he just becomes evil for the sake of evil <laughs> yeah
0: well and I, I definitely I definitely have to agree Willem Dafoe puts in a good presentation uh a good performance he he always does yes he's Willem Dafoe um
1: what did you think of uh friendly yeah, he's yeah. Willem Dafoe <laughs> what did you think of the um the uh I'm something of a scientist myself thrown into this movie because that that destroyed my audience. <laughs> you know, I'm
0: something of a scientist myself. <laughs> Did he say something like that in the Raimi movie? Because so it's the, not coming to mind.
1: Yeah, in the Raimi movie, at the very beginning when um Harry and uh, Peter are going into the, the field trip, um, uh, the Oscorp things, and he like uh, Os- Osborne uh, Willem Defoe drops him off he's like Peter you know and Harry's all like oh your dad like my dad likes you more than he likes me and he's like Peter what are you studying and he's like this that the other thing and he's like oh I'm something of a scientist myself and it's become a meme all over the internet I see that you know I've become okay. a blank myself and they just reuse the line and it slayed in my audience and it's just a direct reference to that like word for word and it killed in my audience <laughs> I don't think anybody even Notice it. I okay. I
0: guess I gave a little chuckle because I was like, you know, for for Norman osborne to say like, I'm a little bit of a scientist. So like Norman osborne was like the Tony Stark of their universe. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm pretty sure somewhere in there, um, Doc Ock says like the power of the sun. I don't know if he says the power of the sun in the palm of my hand, which is the line from yeah, the he second. Does. He does. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, another like. So I guess that's that's the other thing is you know. It's, this movie isn't really like, it is nostalgia, don't get me wrong. They're nostalgia baiting hard, by definition, by bringing all these characters back, the literal characters. But I didn't really see this as like fan service. I saw it, it is servicing the fans, don't get me wrong. But I didn't see it as thrown in just for the sake so people go, Ha, look at that, I know that thing, I'm clapping. I actually felt that the references they were using, they tied it together fairly well. Does that make some sense?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mostly agree. Um, that being said, to, to some degree, at least with my some of my initial disappointment, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I did have a moment where I was just like, this whole movie was was fan service in, in the sense of they put together all these. And they did. They put it together well in that none of the individual references seemed out of place. Yeah. But that the whole movie was put together just so those references could exist.
1: sure. Uh, sure.
0: Um, so, so to some degree, I agree with you in that it was done well, but to another degree, I, I do think that it was that it was done for the, for the purpose of making those references.
1: Absolutely, and I think that is a great transition into I think the the thesis I think what our first episode was if you remember Ben back when we did the Raimi episode which is the longest episode of our podcast ever that one on f- it was, I think it's four hours and 40 minutes <laughs> we asked a very specific question because we I remember the three of us you Zach and I talking about it's like we're, they're gonna bring back you know the uh, bringing back Tom McGuire they're bringing back Andrew Garfield they're gonna bring all these things together in No Way Home because those were the rumors like you said earlier it was nothing in the trailers about bringing all these these things back just some of the villains none of the actual spider-men and they, they we were saying they're gonna bring it all back they're tying it all together and we asked the question well why and we we hypothesized that disney and marvel were doing this to claim ownership over these comic book movies that were previously not theirs and in this movie we get Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, and like we briefly mentioned earlier, this movie gives them some sense of closure. Andrew Garfield catches uh, Zendaya, and he's crying because he was able to save her and, and you know, getting the... Uh, the uh, solving the whole Gwen Stacy problem. Uh, what, Tobey Maguire gets to talk to Doc Ock, you know, finally, and, and reconvene with him. Tobey Maguire has the whole thing with Willem Dafoe at the end and, and you know, stops Tom Holland from killing him. This movie, in that third act, that climax, really does give closure. It brings in all these other movies, the um, the Raimi and the, the Mark Webb trilogies, uh, movies, and it brings them all in, gives those characters closure, and I think now, this movie acts as kind of like, you know, Spider-Man 4 and The Amazing Spider-Man 3. I think that this movie, with how financially and critically successful it is, Disney has succeeded. They now own the previous Spider-Man movies, the Spider-Man live-action movies, they now get to say that all of the events in those movies lead up to ours. Even though that was never the plan, we get to tie them all together with this multiverse idea, and now they're ours. I think that that was their plan from all along, and I think they succeeded with how well they put together this movie. And that gets at your point of what you just said, Ben, that they created this movie just to make these references possible, just so they can say that all of those things that people loved from those movies are now theirs. What do you think about that?
0: I say I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, it it feels right. That's um, might have been why at times they leaned into things that I that I thought they could have kind of glossed over uh, was so that they could really take that ownership. Yes, and. No, that's that's probably that's probably what they had in mind definitely from the beginning. You know, before they even had a script, I'm sure that's what
1: they had in mind. Absolutely. This is not the best thing, I think, personally. I don't know if I like this. Like we, we've talked about how, you know, okay, Disney buys Marvel, Disney buys Fox, Disney gets all these rights and they're trying to just become this mega conglomerate that can do anything they want. And, you know, back in the day, it's like, not back in the day, but it's like, okay, we're used to that. You know, companies buy other companies, ownership changes hands, that's the way it goes. Disney in the modern era seems to be this all-consuming Goliath in this notion. This kind of retroactive purchasing of previous movies... That's I don't think this has ever been done before and I don't know if it's a good thing. Like imagine are that what are they going to they could do it with the X-Men, right? Like if uh, if um now that Disney owns Fox, they got the X-Men. If they can make an X-Men movie and they're going to do some weird dimension thing and they're going to say all the other X-Men movies are now under our cusp. I don't I don't know it's been something I've been trying to formulate and I've had a long time and it's still troublesome to me that this is so weird that like Disney is now not just buying rights for things and owning them and putting them under their you know their their uh, their their masthead or whatever, they're now like p- purchasing nostalgia, if that makes sense. Like they're saying something where it's like oh if somebody says they love the Sam Raimi movies, the Sam Raimi trilogy, well it's like well yeah now that is distinctly part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Where I think there might have been times where people were like, no, I like the Raimi trilogy because they were independent, because they had no connection to the MCU, and that's gone now to, to some extent. People can view it any way they want. You know, we've talked about that. Yeah, you, you can have your own headcanon or whatever. But this, like, it's like they're not just purchasing rights for things now, they're purchasing nostalgia. Does that make sense? Am I, I might not be making this clear, but do you get what I'm saying a little bit? Yeah, I, I understand
0: what you're saying, and, and uh, I can't think of a better phrasing or terminology for it than what you've laid out. Um, it's, it's almost like they're like, they've, they've built the house and now they bought the foundation.
1: Sure. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it's so strange. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I I have to
0: agree. It is weird and it feels kind of dirty. Like, like show me on the doll where they touched you dirty. Uh,
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm glad you put it that way because I'm with the, I, it, it feels dirty to me. I, um, I don't like, you know, Disney as a company completely. I I, don't, I mean, I like some of their products and stuff, but they're getting bigger and bigger. Like I said, they're consuming everything. And, and it feels dirty. It feels weird to me, just like when, you know, Disney bought Marvel and Fox and stuff like that. But the other problem for me personally is that this movie doing that I think it fucking works. Like when Andrew Garfield catches Zendaya, and he starts to tear up, and the movie is clearly telling you, "Look at us. We are Disney. We are giving you the conclusion to the Amazing Spider-Man that you never got." It works for me. That's a great moment. I thought, and that bothers me more that they're doing something I fundamentally disagree with, but they're doing it in a way that I approve of or or gels and connects with me. Sure. No, I have
0: to agree that it works. Um... It it worked for me, too, at least with the Andrew Garfield stuff. For Tobey Maguire, he just gets stabbed. He
1: gets stabbed. Uh, Yeah, the Tobey Maguire is really more, I think, of the— it came off to me in that whole last thing with um, Willem Dafoe, Green Goblin, and Tom Holland's, like, about to murder him um, for revenge for Aunt May that seemed to me as like a big passing of the torch of saying like, you know, Tobey Maguire, he's like, I'm the OG Spider-Man and I'm imparting wisdom for you to you from all these years, you know, these 20 years since my movie. And now you get to be Spider-Man type of thing. Um, And once again, I, I thought it worked. Tobey Maguire. I still like him. I know we have problems with his face, but I still like him and he did a good job. And that whole ending just clicked for me. And I'm kind of like thinking about it afterwards. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, I I agree with you, but I don't like it. You know,
0: <laughs> well, and so there was even there was a little more to his redemption. Like, so uh, you know, he, the thing he says is that that his uncle Ben died, and that he went and he wanted to kill the guy, and he got what he wanted, mm-hmm. or he wanted the guy dead, and he got what he wanted. So I think the re- the redemption for him in that moment had less to do with his story arc with Green Goblin than it did to. His connection to Tom Holland wanting to kill Green Goblin. Sure, sure. Uh, and and that's that's fucking that's great. You know, we get we get the the fucking Whistler type character for Blade, who's yeah. like, I know I know things that you can't know yet because you haven't lived them. Yeah. And and I like you said, I'm imparting that wisdom, and it's like, yes, that's that's good. And there's also the the bit where it's like, and he gets stabbed. It's like, well, shit. You know, sometimes. Knowing stuff isn't really all that there is to it. Like sometimes there's more more to it than what you might know, and it's like there's a lot of good shit happening there. But yeah, it's it's uh it doesn't stop it from being
1: dirty. I, exactly, exactly. And then I I kind of you know as I, I definitely got the strong feeling in all those resolutions. But even in those in the scene where they're all all three Spider Men are talking to each other on, uh, each other on the Statue of Liberty, like. I think they're doing some of that stuff, too. Like you said, they're um, they're telling Andrew Garfield that he's amazing. They're having the conversation between organic versus synthetic web shooting. But like I said before, I really wanted them to talk about that. And they did. And they did, like, twice. And I, like, was so on board with that because we talked about it in our episodes. But then they even go a little further, and they have a scene where Tobey Maguire says that he has back pain. Andrew Garfield offers to crack it, or fix it, whatever you want to call it, do his, his faux Um He does, and Tobey Maguire feels better. This, of course, I think on the surface, I think it's in Spider-Man 2, where Spider-Man, when he um, he starts to lose his powers, Tobey Maguire starts to lose his powers, um, he, he falls because he can't shoot a web, and he lands on a car or something, and he's like, oh, my back, you know, that type of thing. I'm sure that's a surface-level reference to that, but I I took this a lot f- a, f- a lot further. So I don't remember if we talked about this in our rainy episode because that went on so long and I we recorded and it, edited it so long ago. But I believe it was between Spider Man two and three when they were renegotiating some contracts. Tobey Maguire was like he wanted more money, and this, there was some I. I I didn't write it down for this. It's probably in my notes from that episode, but there was this thing where Tobey Maguire wanted more money to come and play Spider-Man and Peter Parker in Spider-Man 3, and um, the the studio was kind of, like, you know, holding out on him, and there was some diva stuff, apparently, where Tobey Maguire was, like, claiming that he had a back injury, and, you know, he he was being put under more stress in, like, the uh, the Spider-Man movie, so he wanted more money, and he was, in essence, trying to, like, you know, call the studio's bluff and the, the studio kind of came right back and called his bluff and said, well, okay, if you're not going to do it, we'll hire Jake Gyllenhaal to be Spider-Man. And Tobey Maguire was like, well, fuck that. No, okay, I'm fine, you know? So there was this whole thing and maybe I'll put a correction because I don't have all my facts written down in front of me, but Tobey Maguire, you know, there was some real life story about him having back pain in, in relation to the Spider-Man role. Hey kids, a quick correction. The incident I was referring to actually took place between Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2. Um, When Tobey Maguire was signed on, of course, with his three-picture contract, um, and he was going into Spider-Man 2, there were some rumors that he experienced a back injury on the set of Seabiscuit, and that he was going to need to delay filming Spider-Man 2. Uh, there's also some rumors, of course, you know, about um, uh, more money being asked for because he's concerned about his back injury and having to do all the stunts on Spider-Man. And like I said, the studio kind of came back and said, well, we can't really delay all that long. We can't lose all that money, so we're going to hire Jake Gyllenhaal instead. And turns out that, you know, Tobey Maguire's back problems uh, got better after hearing that. And of course, as we know, he goes on to be in Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3, and Spider-Man No Way Home. Now I I did find many people saying that uh, you know this. This was this rumor about him being injured on the set of Sea Biscuit um, was really kind of fabricated because there's there were no injuries reported on the set of Sea Biscuit. I did find an interview with Tobey Maguire who says uh, that you know that was a false report that it was a back injury that he had from from many years prior, not just when he was working on Sea Biscuit, uh, but apparently even during Spider Man One and when the the effects and the um, the uh, you know, the more demanding physical stunts came around in Spider-Man 2 that he uh, raised some worries, but then, like he says, his back got better. What do we take from this? I don't know, but it's an interesting story that I always I always think of uh, when I hear about Tobey Maguire and back pain. I think of that way before I think of the moment in Spider-Man 2. I love the fact that they bring that up. I love the fact, then, that Andrew Garfield cracks his back by lifting him up. So the actual visuals is, you know, they do the um, the arm link back-to-back thing. Andrew Garfield leans forward and, you know, stretches out Tobey Maguire, and, it, and he feels better. I took this to be the imagery of Andrew Garfield lifting up Tobey Maguire to be a meta-commentary on the fact that after The Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out, so many people said this movie is so bad it makes the Sam Raimi trilogy look better, and I feel like they were showing the imagery of Andrew Garfield lifting up Tobey Maguire. So it's kind of this meta commentary on like, oh, Andrew Garfield had to fail so more people would like Tobey Maguire. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally, do
0: That's that's really funny. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know all, all the background behind that.
1: I, yeah, I thought that I was, I was watching this in the theater and I'm like, oh my God, like they are really just going for it. You know, that's
0: dope. If you're going to put all those characters in the same place, like that's the only place you can make that joke. Yes. Yes. So you might as well.
1: Also speaking Um, of the, the ownership we were talking about, not just for the Spider-Mens, all the closure we get for them, also for our villains. Um, you know, well, lizard doesn't count. I think we we said that earlier. Lizard's almost like superfluous to this movie. He gets cured, but he's been cured before. Uh, the villains get their redemption arc we get the whole thing with electro talking about how he hopes there's going to be a black spider-man somewhere out there you know we get the whole thing where he's like oh, i'm sorry i fucked up and you just didn't come to my birthday party and and he gets the moment with andrew garfield where they're like you know y- you're my guy what he he says in like amazing spider-man 2 you're my eyes max or something like that tobe maguire and doc ock get to talk and so really they they gave closure to All of these characters. The only one I don't specifically remember is Sandman. What happened to him? Is he just kind of like, he's like, I'm got to go back to my daughter or whatever. Something like that.
0: Yeah, essentially. They they do. they, 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 um, They do give him his original body back. Yes. And then he's just like waiting in the Statue of Liberty throughout most of the fight.
1: Oh, oh that's right. That was another funny moment where they cure him because they lead him into the uh, like the hollowed out body of the Statue of Liberty. Um and then they cure him and so he's just kind of standing inside the Statue of Liberty and there's some fight going on. I think when the um when the spell is really like starting to crumble and when Doctor Strange comes back, um, there's, there's like a cut to just, you know, Thomas Hayden Church just standing as a person inside the Statue of Liberty, like looking upwards. And I'm like, yeah, he, he can't do anything anymore. Like he's out of the fight.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's, that happens. That's like the first one they actually take down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, that was one thing I, I did kind of enjoy is like, he's going there to get the box cause he wants to go back home. Mm-hmm. Electro's going there to get the box cause he doesn't want to go back home. Like, they, you know, they have a the, the little bit of conflicting motivations, and I, I, I kind of enjoyed that. Yeah. I, I, I wanted, to, to some degree, like, I knew going into this movie that I had no idea what, what to expect, but I guess somewhere even further in the back of my head, I built up this idea that we were going to get some, like, actual motivations from these characters, not just related to where they were in the universe. Sure. Um, and, and that didn't happen, so I was a little disappointed by that also, uh, but that's... Okay maybe not a fair criticism because what, what does Doc Ock want in this universe, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, yeah, you're right. You know, there with the villains, like you said, Electro and Sandman, I think, you know, they're fleshed out. They have some idea. The other ones like Willem Dafoe is just evil. I mean, Green Goblin's just evil. Doc Ock is, is there because, you know, he's a, uh, fan favorite i guess kind of thing and you know he's kind of the the good one out of the bunch um and then of course lizard is like we said superfluous um well,
0: okay so that's that's another i'm glad you brought this up about why doc ock is there so we, we get um we get some kind of indication that these people are here because they they knew peter parker was spider-man
1: yes yes then so why the fuck is venom there Yep, yep. I've, uh, I've been hearing that criticism, all. Of, or I've been reading that criticism on the internet. Um, I have not, do- like, d- taken a dive into the subreddits for fan theories or anything, but I'm totally with you. And, like, what about Aunt May from, uh, well, maybe she doesn't know. What about Mary Jane from that oh, universe? Oh, yeah, yeah, Mary Jane. Yeah, there's totally a bunch of... And, and they even do that when, isn't, like, at the end when Doctor Strange is back, he's, do, he's trying to, like, keep this, he's, like, the spell's unraveling or whatever, and there's, like, all the silhouettes of different Spider-Man villains and stuff in, like, the sky. Like, I remember seeing a very clear one of, like, Rhino, but not the amazing Spider-Man Rhino, like, the actual guy in a suit with a horn type of thing. And so it's just like, okay, you know, I guess... Like, apparently, when he first cast the spell and captured it or contained it, it only let through the people we know. But it turns out if we had let it keep going, we would have gotten everybody from every dimension or something like that. It's, it's, I think it's another one of those Marvel things where it's just like, don't think about it, you know?
0: Well, and so that was, okay, so that was another thing. Like, Doc Ock comes back, presumably, like, right before his death.
1: Yes, yes. It seems that they all come back pretty close to the end of their respective movies or something along those lines.
0: So, so that, okay. So why then do the Peter
1: Parkers come through? I'm, I'm with you. I don't know. <laughs> uh,
0: so, so this was, I was actually talking to, to my wife about this and she said something that is kind of dark and I kind of hope that maybe she's right. Okay. So Doc Ock came through right before he died in the hands of Spider-Man. Yes. Willem Defoe, same thing. Electro, same thing. Yeah, you know, Green Goblin. Oh, I already said him. Uh, uh, Liz, no, I Sand think Lizard
1: Man. is supposed to be taken out, like while he's on his way to um, turn everybody into a lizard, you know, type of thing.
0: <laughs> right. So, what if Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield were also right about to die at the hands of Spider-Man, and they were about
1: to kill themselves? oh, ooh, oh that is dark. <laughs> so, because right, so, there's, there's no like multiverse thing in their universes. Um, they wouldn't right. be getting killed by a different Spider-Man, you know.
0: Right. So, what if the reason that they were pulled through is because they were also about to die? Because, like, why? You know, that's the way these time periods were picked. Essentially, uh, yes. you know, with the exception of them and Venom. Like, we have no no reason to believe at all that Venom. Like, then There's no There's no Spider-Man even in Venom's universe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as far as we know. With him out, because that he doesn't. He just doesn't fit this this could fit that these spider-men were about to that they were at some pivotal moment in their in their time and they needed to see peter parker
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: they needed to see young peter parker they needed to see themselves before they lost hope and that's why they came through
1: i i dig that because it would fit with um i i'll have to go back and, and listen to you know when when Andrew Garfield and Tom McGuire first show up in Ned's grandma's apartment, I, I think they, they all they say something like, I was doing blah 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 and then I was here or something. I'll have to go back and listen to it. But it would fit with the motif that, you know, Andrew Garfield and Tom Maguire Spidermans are sad in in where they're wherever they are at when they're taken into this universe. You know, they're dealing with issues and they get to work on their issues and get closure through the lens or through the maybe funnel of the Peter Parker in this universe. I'm with you. That's a neat idea.
0: So, yeah, that, that was something, like... That's what I, I mentioned earlier, that, like, it took me a while to come around on this movie. Mm-hmm. I Initially, man, I when, when the credits rolled, I was just like, fuck Marvel. <laughs> like, that was... Like, that was my initial response to this movie. And and the reason for that is, you know, at least in part because, well, for one, they, they didn't give me Venom. Um, <laughs> but, but for two, like... Okay, so, so we don't get as much action with the villains as I want. We don't get... As much fun interaction. We don't get as much teamwork with the Spider-Mans as I want. We do get some, mm-hmm. you know, but just not not as much as I, as I want. And then, of course, there's the ending where, for some unknown reason, Doctor Strange casting the original spell spell to make everyone forget who Peter Parker is yeah. solves the problem? Like, isn't yeah. the problem that he tried to cast the spell once and that these, these people are coming through... And the, he, the, they're coming through because they know who Peter Parker is, and the solution is to make them not know who Peter Parker is? And that fixes the rifts in the in the fucking space-time continuum?
1: I, I'm totally like, with you that that makes no sense. But I think, once again, Marvel wants to say, it's like, oh, they're all coming through because they know that P- Tom Holland is Spider-Man. So if everybody no, doesn't know Tom Holland Spider-Man, no one's coming through, and that just heals the wounds, you know? It's see, like... but
0: that, that was the thing. It's like, they knew that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. Yes. Like Doc Ock knew that Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man and Mm -hmm. Willem Dafoe knew that Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man. And Electro, I don't even know if Electro knew that Andrew Garfield was Spider-Man.
1: So, I, I thought that too. That there's one line in the movie where he, where Electro's like, I was jumping into like the power grid and connecting to the internet and learning all of the information in the world or some shit, and then I got transported here. So, I took that as he was like, I found out because I became like internet Jesus that he was Peter Parker. It's very loose, of course. Don't get me wrong. It's
0: <laughs> that, fine. So... These these people all knew in their respective universes that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So does Doctor Strange's spell, like, are we supposed to believe that it goes across all universes and makes them all forget that their Peter Parker is Spider-Man? I
1: I guess, and, and, right? And
0: somehow them knowing that their Peter Parker is Spider-Man is drawing them to this universe where this Peter Parker is trying to be forgotten.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't have a good
0: answer. <laughs> Well, you don't have a good answer because there, as far as I know, there isn't a good definitely, 100%. answer. Definitely, hundred percent. And that's where I was just like, you know, like don't get me wrong. I and and okay, so so this comes back to why I was like, this movie, this movie was nostalgia bait, mm-hmm. because the movie itself doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: And that's that's why, I like, despite the fact that there are things about it that I enjoy, and and. You, oh, okay, so no, let's. let's not get even get into that yet, because the, the next thing that I that I want to mention actually is all right. So Peter Parker, Tom Holland decides the solution to this problem is to go to Doctor Strange and tell him to do the thing that caused the problem without talking to Zendaya and Ned, which was part of the initial problem. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't he didn't even discuss with them whether you know whether they would be okay with this, and they were upset about it, and etc. Yeah. Et and so then he's like, I'm just going to go do that again. And the the end result is that everybody forgets Peter Parker is Spider-Man, but everybody forgets Peter Parker. Yes. Like Peter Parker no longer went to public school, I guess.
1: Yeah, um, he, they show him with the GED book. <laughs> so
0: so that's like – all right, so, so Peter Parker just kind of ceases to exist, and now he – somehow has an apartment that who knows if he has a license that he had to give to them to get this apartment because I don't know, whatever it's Queens, I
1: guess. Yes. Um, I 100% at the end of the movie, when he gets that new apartment, I thought that the door was going to stick and it was going to be a reference to the Raimi trilogy. Cause remember, I <laughs> yeah, couldn't, I, I yeah. 100% thought that was going to happen, but you're right. He, he, nobody knows who Peter Parker or he, he Peter Parker still exists as Tom Holland, of course, he's still Spider-Man, but, like, he has no relationships whatsoever now. Like, it's nobody no knows who he is.
0: No in, history. In the universe. Other than, his, other than his own memory of his own history, which is a, a specific kind of torture that he's put into. Yes. So So this actually connects to, like, uh, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield both talk about going into really dark places because of the things that being Spider-Man took away from them. Yeah, yeah. And now Tom Holland being Spider-Man has had everything taken away from
1: him. Yes. Yes.
0: So this whole idea that this movie gave us closure for Andrew Garfield and closure for Tobey Maguire and it it put Tom Holland exactly on the path that they were on. That that bothered. Me. I
1: it is I was very surprised um that that, that the movie ended in, in this way where you know it really is like a reset on Tom Holland uh, Spider-Man. You know, like you said, not his memories and stuff like that. I the only way I could think, or the way I could rationalize what I think they were trying to do was, in because you know when when um uh, what Civil War happened, we had Tom Holland show up and he's already Spider Man and and uh, Robert Downey Jr. knows that he's Spider Man. Blah blah blah. In in um uh, Homecoming, you know he's Spider Man. We've never really gotten an origin movie for Tom Holland as Spider Man like we have with the other Spider Men. You know. Amazing Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man, I feel like Marvel was trying to make this the origin trilogy for Spider-Man. I feel like they, they were thinking that they were being audacious in the sense of, let's just not rehash the same origin story we've seen for Spider-Man a bunch of times. Let's reset the idea of what Spider-Man is in our universe. Does that make some sense?
0: The problem I have with it is is that they are setting Spider-Man up, Tom Holland up, to live his entire life not well okay no to re rebe- to restart his entire life without his aunt mm-hmm. and with nobody to grieve with
1: yes definitely very, very dark entire... very dour yeah so
0: so the entire and, and then of course at the end of the movie we see him going around a shiny spider-man for whatever reason he's shiny at the end <laughs> um they have set him up to have the most disastrous mental breakdown any spider-man has ever had sure Sure. After spending quite a bit of the movie, having the other Spider-Man tell him to avoid that exact situation.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, um, it it seems though that you know the um the the essence of of his decision to or the, he does this well. I know what you mean, and it'd be interesting if they dive into some of that you know that darkness of this ending in future movies with Tom Holland as Spider-Man. But I I feel like the movie tries not to make you think about that too much, or the movie's trying to to guide audiences away from that idea by saying, well, Tom Holland had to do this to save the multiverse. Like, if he did not do this thing with dr strange like the whole multiverse would have collapsed or whatever so it, it he had to give the ultimate sacrifice or something i feel like that's right. them so saying they, like here like look at that like look he did something more important than any spider-man has ever done at the greatest possible cost
0: right so they're basically making him jesus uh which <laughs> is fine thor was jesus He's iron free. man was jesus yep. and blah blah, blah. Th- that's whatever um one one thing that that I, I, I just I went and saw this with my wife, and I was pretty pissed off after the movie ended because I was like, you know, they set up this whole like he's about to do this good deed, and then like they, they do say at some point no good deed goes unpunished. Sure. But in reality, he did this stupid thing where he like made a decision without discussing it with with his friends, and and for for whatever reason, he couldn't go into the fresh spell and have only the people he knew remember him.
1: Yeah, because that's a it point. seemed like.
0: Dr. Strange could have done that for, to begin with if he had asked the right question at the beginning.
1: Yes. And especially at the end when Dr. Strange is, is you know, he's like, I'm, do you really want me to cast this spell? He could have been like, now, Peter, I know what you want. I'll cast that spell.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. So, like, there's just a number of reasons that that didn't need to happen. Mm-hmm. And it did anyway, which I find very strange. And, and the one thing that my wife brought up is that they did talk about his his trouble was that he was living two lives. He was he was Peter Parker, and he was Spider Man. Sure. And he was trying to be them both individually. And so one thing that this does is it gives him the the possibility and the option to just be Spider Man for a
1: while. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then
0: at some later point, he can decide if he wants to also be Peter Parker. Yep. And yep. that. I don't hate that. I think that that's a pretty good explanation. Yeah,
1: and, and when you say it that way, it also reminds me of the scene um, after he, the spell has gone through. Um, he, he does attempt to go to MJ and he's like practicing the speech and then he kind of says like, well, maybe I shouldn't, you know, do this to my friends again or something like that. So I think you're right. There is that like active choice in the in the movie and in the character arc of or the character trajectory of Spider-Man, Tom Holland here, that he can just be Spider-Man now. And that is pretty cool. Um, I hope they play with that in, in future movies. I'm pretty sure it's been announced that Tom Holland is staying on as Spider-Man for the, the rest of time, basically, um, or until he turns, I don't know, 15, because as we know, I think he's a 12-year-old boy. Um, but I, I hope that they play with that in future movies. I will be furious if the next Spider-Man movie is, oh, let's undo what happened at the end of this movie. The, the forgetting well- part, not everything.
0: You know, maybe it will, maybe it well, won't. I wouldn't be surprised either way. Mm-hmm. Well, I might be surprised if it if it doesn't undo it. To be honest, there's a lot in this movie where Spider-Man's actually taking taking his relationships for granted. Um, sure. And, and and one place is like when he's when he's grieving uh, Marissa Tomei, he hides from his friends. He doesn't go to embrace them. Mm-hmm. He hides from them, and he's he's kind of creating this barrier between himself and his friends, and and perhaps him ending up in a world where nobody knows him will force him to understand the value of those connections. And and that that's the way that they get from here to not dark, deep, sad fucking Spider-Man, but to actually Spider-Man that's well adjusted and understands that he needs relationships.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, sure.
0: So, uh, it took me, but I was, I was kind of angry about it because to be honest in this movie, this is the first movie where I've ever, thought that MJ and and Peter Parker were any kind of a decent relationship Uh, and then bam they take it away right at the end I was like what the fuck (laughs) you yeah, yeah. <laughs> finally convinced me,
1: you know? Yeah, I, um, I, I'm with you I'm with you on that point, actually, as well. Like I said, you know, I, I like uh, Zendaya and Ned, but Zendaya as MJ I had less problems with. And because it's like, it's better. There wasn't this nonsense like in the first two movies of them growing their relationship. Like, I liked that stuff where they were angry about Peter trying to, you know, go to Doctor Strange without them, without, you know, leaning on their relationships and stuff like that. It's a very common trope and, you know, it's a common thing where, where it's like, I thought I didn't want to hurt you or I thought I could do it myself. But at least it felt... Natural or it felt real in this movie, like it felt like a real relationship.
0: So, like, I, I guess part of the reason that I can't just fully be in love with this movie, if it deserved it or not, which I can't see clearly at the moment, I'll have to watch it again in probably a couple months when I when I'm not as emotional about it, is they destroyed all of the relationships in Peter Parker's life <laughs> yep. that they spent three movies making me care about. Yes, yes, um, and that. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean it's bad storytelling. But it does mean that there's a layer of my emotions between me and my objectivity.
1: Sure. No, I I totally understand it. Um it's it's uh it it's strange. I was very also, like I mentioned, very surprised that they ended it this way because like you said, it is um undoing um a lot of what we saw happen in this trilogy. And and I think that's why I was thinking to myself, they are trying to subvert the expectation of an origin story and, and say, instead of, you know, oh, the origin story is how, you know, Spider-Man gets his powers, the origin story for Tom Holland's Spider-Man is really now, you know, this origin trilogy of he has to start from from scratch, literally from nothing, and work his way back up.
0: And that would be, it'll be very interesting to see what they do with this moving yes. forward.
1: Yes, and I, I totally agree.
0: they could create some of the best Spider-Man content ever. Like, they have the potential right here to deal with tom holland not knowing how to navigate this world yep and no one knowing him and then and then him becoming actual spider Man.
1: yes yes because i i on that on that point i do like that you know and i think it's the last shot of the movie when he he swings out of his um his apartment to beat to go fight crime and be spider-man we see him with we see on his desk the sewing machine with the suit so he has to like uh, sew his own suit, and and I know that's a reference to you know how Aunt May was sewing for him earlier. and Now he has to do it himself, but but also I, it is kind of interesting going forward. I, I think I hope it'll be interesting going forward that this is now like you said he can become Spider Man, these the, the Spider Man that fans and we know and love. Because so far in the MCU f- from Civil War up to you know just before the end of this movie, he's not the Spider Man we know and love. He's Spider Man we know and love. Bogged down with Tony Stark technology. And this he's he's Iron Man Junior. Yeah. And this gives him the chance to be a clear cut Spider Man that most audiences are familiar with. And that's very interesting to me that they made a choice like that. And I have to imagine that's what they're gonna try and do. And and you know, it's like you said, they're throwing away he's no he's not gonna be like Tony Stark Jr., he's not gonna be the successor to Iron Man, he now has to be his own superhero.
0: If that's the reason that they've done this, I may forgive them. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, sure,
0: but anyway, so that that was like you know, like I said, like, I had to grow. This movie had to grow on me uh, because there was there was so much, I, almost a feeling of betrayal. Even
1: sure that they
0: sure. that they've taken this character and done this to him because I I love Spider Man, I love Peter Parker, and I love Tom Holland as Peter Parker, and I don't hate his his jump start into um, because like. We see it in in, uh, Far From Home. He gets to use Tony Stark's tech to make his new suit. Mm -hmm. I I kind of like giving Tom Holland that jumpstart into being Spider-Man, not entirely in Tony, or or, Spider-Man kind of coming out of Tony Stark's shadow, but having the jumpstart that Tony Stark gave him. I I, I kind of like that. And then they they took that all away and they, they deconstructed it. And yes, that's not... The canon everyone's used to, but I, it's the canon I had accepted because I—I I think we've talked about this before. I'm not strictly like a canon yeah, uh, yeah. Nazi when it comes to these kinds of things. So I was like, okay, this is just the universe. This in this universe, Tony Stark came to Peter Parker young enough that he was able to help him, and and, and kind of give him that kickstart along that path. And now we're gonna see what what Peter Parker does having lost that role model, mm-hmm. and and that.
1: Could be something
0: worthwhile, and it could be a story worth exploring, as long as it's not just like some fucking shock factor ending.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I'm with you. I, I, I think we're in agreement. We, are, we want this to go forward and be interesting. Let them, let them flourish with this Spider-Man, who you know is really a new Spider-Man, but has all this information. My my worry is that, you know, we're going to get a movie where it's revealed that somebody remembers Peter Parker. Like in the next movie, like in the first act, he's, like Peter Parker's going to be, he's going to be like, I'm Spider-Man, oh I'm going to New York, and he's going to run into somebody and he's going to be like, Peter Parker, and it's going to, the whole first act, is going to be like, how do you remember me? And they, they're going to undo everything they did, and that would be terrible. I want them to- No,
0: you just revealed how they're doing it to me. The symbiote- <laughs> but, and- the symbiote oh, knows.
1: Oh, we cracked it, Ben. Fuck. <laughs> the
0: symbiote is going to end up in New York. The symbiote knows who he is. Yes. The symbiote's yes. going to find him. The symbiote's going to infect gonna,
1: uh, somebody, and he's going to start talking to him and be like, I, kn- I know you, Peter Parker. You're spider Yep. It's going to return the
0: knowledge of who he is, and then he's going to have no reason not to. Well, he might still have a reason not to tell some day in that, but they could end up being in trouble. Yes. Because they are weaknesses to him, so he might have to reveal himself. God, fuck.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, you're absolutely right. That makes perfect sense that they that's why they would show the little bit of the symbiote at the oh. end of the post credit scene. Yeah, yep, yep.
0: It would be just like them to set up a really needed situation and not explore
1: it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's, that's almost like the name of the game. <laughs> what is this, Interstellar <laughs> Um I guess we'll have to I mean I I feel like we kind of will what it's gonna come out in like three two or three years, but I guess we'll have to come back to a Spider Man of uh, home home. I don't know what they call this house is not a home. I don't know. That's right.
0: Something else that uh, my wife said actually she hated the title because there was a way home. Um <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I I, oh, I definitely think the No Way Home bit was more about Peter Parker at the end. Where he now has no way home. Yeah. Because home doesn't exist anymore because home is where the heart is or, or whatever. Sure. Um
1: but no, you're absolutely right. right. Where there, there should have been a line in this movie where they're like, There's no way home and it cuts to like Ned going, I don't know, I took like the Q train here. Like we could just take that back, yeah. right?
0: <laughs> uh yeah. So But fuck anyway, God I can't believe you. <laughs> Of course, the symbiote, I mean, the symbiote, we've already, we've already learned through the Venom movies, the symbiote knows fucking everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He knows enough to melt Eddie Brock's brain, which might not take that much, but he knows that and more. And now, of course, he knows Peter Parker, and we don't really have any reason to believe that Doctor Strange's magic would work on him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's uh, it, it's uh, I hope it's more interesting than what we're describing. But geez, uh, if, if we were gambling men, I think we'd put our chips on on what we're describing. <laughs> oh,
0: my God. Venom. The symbiote's going to infect Ned. Ned's going to be oh, magic goodness. Venom.
1: No, we need less Ned, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God, that's that's crazy. Uh, I don't think
0: that's likely to happen. I think that they will hire somebody that whose face we know. Definitely, uh, to, oh they, yeah. To play Venom. But, yep. no, I that that is absolutely the one thing that could still have memory of Peter Parker.
1: Yep, yep, Would absolutely. Be the yep, that's a good call, that's a good call. Um, speaking of uh, end credit scenes, did you stick around for the, the other post-credit scene, the end? I and... mean the...
0: You mean the commercial?
1: Yes, the trailer for the new Doctor Strange movie. Dude, they haven't done this since like X-Men and shit way back in the day putting a commercial. Maybe they did it for like one of the Thors for Avengers or something, but it is a literal commercial.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was uh that was another reason that I was like fuck Marvel. It's like you gave me all this and you gave me all these emotional hurts and now you're giving me a commercial? Yep, yeah. Like it even give me references. A scene.
1: Uh, yes, it references WandaVision. Like I I would have uh, you're right, give him a give us a scene. Like when it starts, it's what isn't it like Doctor Strange going to uh, to Wanda and she's like, you know, and he's like, We have to talk and she's like, I'm sorry, I did the Disney Plus show, I'm sorry and he's like, It's not about that. And then they just cut to cut to a commercial for it. It was so weird. <laughs> yeah, I know that. Yes. Yeah.
0: And it and it was it was like a straight up. commercial. Well, the only thing that was missing from it being a commercial was text on the
1: screen exactly I was about to say that it, you know it it should have had like the um the the block of uh, directors and producers and actors and then a, and then a, like a not yet rated or something like that <laughs> and
0: i found that i found that rather uh almost insulting i guess
1: uh, yeah
0: like they couldn't they couldn't even find a good teaser scene to give us exactly. they had to
1: it's a, it's a true, just a- uh, it's a true, like what what Zach and I've been saying for years, and I, I know we we talk about it now too. It's it's a, it was a literal in your face moment of swipe your credit card like swipe your credit card to help dr strange set things right you know like honestly yeah. the only thing that they didn't do which I, I always say they i can't believe we're not at this point yet for marvel for star wars for any of these franchises that when you go to the theater and you watch that commercial at the end as you leave the theater there should be a theater employee standing there and saying swipe your credit card to pre-order your tickets like why isn't that happening yet? That that's going to happen eventually, right? That you're going to be able to pre-order your ticket for the next movie immediately upon finishing the the current movie. I mean, you would expect as much. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. And uh it's Som- it's crazy. It's crazy. So, someday. Uh, so exactly. <laughs> that's it's not it's not an if, it's a when. <laughs> right. I I think the other thing um t- uh, you know the, um, the tying together of the, the the nostalgia purchasing, like we were saying, the how dirty it feels and but how they pulled it off. I think it was successful. The other yes, thing that I wanted cool. to bring up is that um, it, this is maybe more on the on the lighter side of things is that I I do see this in some sense as a stepping stone in filmmaking. I, I don't really want to say good or bad, but I do see it as a big stepping stone. So to, to put this in perspective, maybe uh, if you remember, um, Ben or our audience back to, you know, maybe 2008, 2009. Um, you know, when, um, we had, we had Iron Man, we had the Hulk, we had Thor, all these Marvel movies were coming out. You could see, you could get the hints that they were all connected, you know, like what Black Widow shows up in some Hawkeyes in multiple ones, Loki's carrying over. Um, there's Easter eggs, the post credit scenes are all tying these things together. And then they announced Avengers. And Avengers is the really first big team-up movie. And, of course, you know, there's team-up movies before. You know, uh, uh, Mystery Men, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, you know, characters team up. But the Avengers was a bigger deal because the Avengers was, was using all these other movies as the place setting to tie everything together. And if, if you remember, it seems such a quaint notion, but back in the day in 2009 and 2010, before Avengers came out, critics, um, uh, movie critics, were really like... This can't work. Like, how are you going to have, as stupid as it sounds, it's it's really what they were saying, how are you going to have this many characters in a movie and make it cohesive? And like I said, it seems quaint to think about that now, but there was some real, real, like, almost, uh, like, uncertainty about how Avengers was going to do that it might be too big, it might be too egregious, and it was going to fall, like, the MCU was going to fall flat on its face. As we saw okay.
0: that... Okay, just, just a short intersection yeah, here, or... Yeah. or, or have these movie critics never seen the animated movies?
1: Uh, probably. Yes. Unfortunately, like we've talked about with animation on the Patreon, um, which which we'll plug, uh, which we should have been plugging more into the Spider-Verse on Patreon. But yeah, um, as we've talked about with animation before, uh, these critics uh, see animation as for children and that uh, it doesn't matter if it falls flat on its face because kids will watch it no matter what. Very unfortunately. But I'm with you, Ben. That's a good point. Um, Critics, most movie critics are pretty stupid. Um, Me included. Don't get that wrong. But that was the thing. There was a lot of people were like, this can't work. Like, how is this going to work? as we know, you know, uh, after avengers changed the fucking game. The idea of the franchise building became what movie going is today almost with all these movies tying into um you know a big franchise uh spearhead like you know we have um individual movies and then the avengers and then we have you know uh, individual star wars movies. Boom, they all come together. That's what franchises do now. I think For- this is very similar in that I don't think that there was really as much um Um, ...uncertainty about the success of this movie, but I see this as a similar stepping stone, where Avengers was a wildly important movie to filmmaking in the sense that they could tie together episodic entries in a film franchise to make something that grandiose and successful... Taking characters from you know one universe, this is the movie to establish that it is possible to do that with different versions of different characters. As as hackneyed as I think it is to say, and it's used in this movie, this movie, the existence and success of Spider Man No Way Home, establishes that multiverses in mainstream films are successful and will become the next big thing. And I. I think we're going to see that happen more and more. I think, you know, just as the Avengers led into all of these team-up movies and saying, well, no, more characters are better as long as the um the audience knows something about them, you know, think Justice League and and the little work they did for Justice League, I think now we're going to get to start to see a lot more of this multiverse idea coming through. That, you know, if you had a character pl- or you had an actor play character X in like 2000, you have a, a an actor play character X in 2010, they can now start to bring these together. I I think this is a big stepping stone for filmmaking in showing that we can do something that we never thought possible. That, you know, we can now, maybe think about it this way. How many fucking remakes do we have of things? You know, we have, like, remakes of everything. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example, but, you know, maybe it's like um, Ghostbusters. That's a good one. We have the Ghostbusters from the 80s. We have the Ghostbusters from 2016 um, uh, with um, all the SNL people. And then we have the Ghostbusters that just came out this year. I see no reason now from the success of this movie that we are going to have a multiverse Ghostbusters movie. I think smaller franchises we're going to see this in. I I could totally imagine that um, we are going to have, you know, I can't think of any other good examples. But maybe the best way to summarize this is this movie has established that crossover episodes work. (laughs) Like remember when Jimmy Neutron and Timmy Turner would come together? That was always on TV. only for TV. You could never do that in a movie. This is going to open the floodgates for that. This is going to be the big thing that makes it mainstream. It's not going to be just for TV or anything. It's going to be big now.
0: What if we start seeing like unrelated movies like Buddy Cop and Fistfight or something, you know, like just like (laughs) really. So, I mean, obviously that's kind of like a stupid example, but like it's got to happen, right? That you get like two movies that are just that are owned by the same company. And there's like, Oh, let's fucking crossover. So like, we're like much more to the fairly odd parents, Jimmy Neutron crossovers that, that we got as kids. Now it's going to be like, well, these two movies that seemingly were unrelated are are now in the same universe. So yes. Are, are yes. I, I think no, this, that, this is the stepping totally stone
1: that makes this is the stepping stone that's gonna make this possible. And everybody don't think I forgot this. This has happened once before, but it did not hit as well because it was a post credits thing. In the post credits scene of Deadpool 2, he goes into a different universe and shoots Ryan Reynolds in the head so he can't play Green Lantern. This is the feature film version of that post credit scene. Do you remember that? Did you see Deadpool 2? I don't know if we ever talked about that. <laughs>
0: I think I did see Deadpool 2, but I don't remember that scene. I don't know if I watched the
1: post credit scene. Yeah, so Deadpool 2 is that whole thing with like, Cable comes from a different dimension. And yeah, the, the post credit yeah, yeah. scene is, like, Deadpool going into different dimensions and, like, correcting things. And one of them is him going back and shooting Ryan Reynolds in the head so he can't play Green Lantern. That, is, cool. that is exactly what this movie is. It's bringing together these characters and actors that have portrayed similar roles that are almost wholly unrelated. Because, once again, Deadpool is Marvel— Green Lantern's DC, those should not exist together, but they did it, and now this movie shows that you can do it on a grand scale. And uh, sure. once again, I don't really know right off the bat, from what I've been saying so far, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I think that this is a like a watershed moment in filmmaking history because of the success of this movie. This movie was number one popular on IMDb. Like, I think it might still be, you know? It, and that's been out for weeks now. It's crazy how successful this is. made oh, Fuck, ton of money. Yes. Um,
0: yes. I, I, I think we can only hope that Keanu Reeves as John Constantine is now going to be in the Marvel universe.
1: Oh God, I, I want Constantine in any universe. <laughs>
0: but specifically the Keanu Reeves Constantine.
1: Oh, of course. Yes, yes. Damn, love that movie. Oh, check out the Patreon. We talk about Constantine. <laughs> yeah. But, oh yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's. I feel like you know, and that's that's one of the weirdest things. Like I said, it's the Disney is doing. This movie's doing so much, not just in the movie, but in the level of, like, what it means to the world. That now we can do these multiverse things and nobody's going to have a problem with it. We can—it's right. we can. It, it's opened the floodgates. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. And um, I, I'm glad that, you know, I am alive for these moments. I think this is a big moment in history and it's fun to live through it and talk about it. But at the same time, I, I'm always worried that it's going to push out the—it's um, the, the thing we've been saying for years. It's going to push out all the smaller movies from theaters, you know? Like, I, I had to fucking work to see The French Dispatch in theaters, the new Wes Anderson movie. Like, I had to go to it because it was only playing in, like, one theater near anywhere near me in Colorado. But guess what? 8,000 screens You could find any time a day you can go see Spider-Man. And still, to this day, like, I was Googling before we started recording. I was like, oh, let me pull up the cast list in case I need it. And I type in, like, Spider-Man No Way Home, and the first thing that pops up on Google are show times in my area. This movie's been out for so fucking long. (laughs) One hundred percent. It's crazy. It's crazy, baby. What a time to be alive. Hey kids, I wanted to mention this because I can't believe I didn't think of it when Ben and I were uh, having this part of the discussion. We saw, uh, I think just a few years ago, a planned uh, Men in Black and 21 Jump Street crossover that fell apart and turned into Men in Black International. I think, you know, I hear the meme all the time of people saying, oh, you know, the Fast and Furious franchise should have the dinosaurs in it uh, and things like that. And I I think, you know, those are um, examples uh, that get exactly at what we're talking about here. So, so uh, I think uh, – I'm trying to think if there was anything – was there anything else you wanted to highlight as I, uh, as I breeze through my notes that I, I wrote after I uh, watched the movie? <laughs> I, no, know there's, I, I know there's I, one other thing I want to highlight, but it's specifically in the credits. But was there anything else you wanted to, uh, to talk about?
0: No, I think, I've, I think I've touched on everything that I – you know the, the emotional experience I had, the, the things I, I didn't like, the things that I just was emotional about. The anger I had at the movie, <laughs> despite you know wh- whether it was good or not. Um, so yeah, I think that's uh, pretty much it.
1: Okay, okay. So the last thing that I wanted to mention. Um, so like I said way at the start of this, uh, I saw this at you know 3 p.m. Uh, Mountain Time, uh, first showing in Fort Collins, and um, packed house. Uh, I'm a good I'm a good movie goer. I never take my phone out that type of thing. Um, uh, while the credits of my viewing was playing or maybe not while the credits were playing, maybe close to the end of the movie, I felt my phone vibrate in my pocket. And of course I was like, okay, somebody texted me, whatever. Um, I'll look at it later. While the credits of this movie were rolling, uh, and I think it was after the... Eddie Brock Venom post credit scene, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm like, okay, you know, I have to stick around through the hour-long credits because so many goddamn people work on the special effects for these movies. And I'm like, I'll look at my phone. And I look at my phone, and it's a text from Zach, who had also just seen the movie. And he texted me, there is a block of text in the end credits that references Avi Arad, who we know, Ben, as the villain of the Spider-Man franchise. <laughs> and he said, When you see it, please take a picture of it. As I read this text, the exact block he mentioned started on my screen, and I rushed to open the camera on my phone, and I got a very blurry picture of it, but I do have a picture of it. And there is a block of credits, a block of text in the credits, totally independent of everything else. Like, when this text is on the screen, no other text is on the screen. And it says... The filmmakers would like to gratefully acknowledge the original true believer, Avi Arad, whose vision led the way to bringing these iconic characters to the screen. As we know, Ben, if you remember from our Spider-Man trilogy, Avi Arad is hated by mostly everybody. He's the reason Spider-Man 4 didn't get made. He's the reason the animated series got canceled, and he doesn't get a production credit on this because I think he's that far removed from Disney and Marvel now, thankfully, but he has some contractual ties to Spider-Man. And I would bet money that this paragraph about him was written by himself.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, totally.
1: And that is something that I I never would have noticed. I'm so thankful Zach texted me. I'm so thankful I looked at it as as soon as I it was coming on screen that I was able to get a picture of it and transcribe it. Not a lot of people on the internet are talking about it. My letterbox review for this movie is literally more people should be talking about the Aviarod text block in the in the, in the credits. Aviarod, this goddamn nut job of man can't get his grubby fucking fingers off Spider-Man still. And he's been around since the goddamn eighties. So yeah, I, I actually did see that
0: text block and I, I like when I saw it, I made a mental note that I should ask you about it, but I I forgot. But no, it struck me as very fucking weird.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, and his name, if I remember
0: right, his name is all capitalized. Yes,
1: yes, it is. It is. He only his name in the block, in the paragraph, yep. in the sentence. Only his name is capitalized. And I, and it's just like, man, that's some vain shit, right there.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And my first thought when I when I saw it was like, Avi Arad either wrote that himself or was stroking somebody else while they wrote
1: it. Absolutely. Oh, my God. It was insane. It was insane. I guess, Ben, if there if there's nothing else, I'm trying to rack my brain thinking if there were any other maybe tiny moments or jokes I wanted to mention. Um, I think they're all going to come up when uh, we get to um, snacks and stuff like that. So if there's anything else, uh, if there's nothing else, I should say, are you ready for our questions? Do it. Okay. So, Cinemades and Late Night. God, cinemondities! I oh, I, this is where I'm on the fence. This is this is where I'm kind of I'm falling into some of the the weird territory. I I'm tempted to say yes because it is the stepping stone in the way that I described with this multiverse thing. That it is so unique to filmmaking right now and is going to to change the way these types of movies are made. I'm tempted to say yes, but. In terms of the actual movie, it being this, you know, created object for a nostalgia vehicle, like you were saying, that's that's nothing new. That's not really odd. I, I don't know. I'm kind of back and forth on this. What do you think about Cinemodities? Did you have, like, a—were a, you leaning one way or another, like, definitively?
0: In terms of what happens on screen, not very odd.
1: Sure, sure. I'm uh, with you there. I,
0: but I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, where it's like this is almost kind of an ingenious— step, whether it be for good or for evil, yeah. we'll find out later. But this is, this is the first step. Like this is one small, st- one small step for Spider-Mankind. And, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so, so that's, um, I, to, to that point, like I, I have to give it like a havesies.
1: I'm on this fence and you know what? I'm, I, I let's, okay. We're not, we're not too deep into our questions. So I feel like we can go back to this another question that you when you just said the um you know the 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 leap for Spider-man kind type of thing Marvel uh, Disney and Marvel you know of course they have to do this whole deal with the rights with Sony for Spider-Man to make these movies so that's why they're still technically Sony Pictures D- do you think the choice to to make this multiverse type movie uh, of course like we said in the back of their head they want to own these retroactively and nostalgically own these properties do you think that there was also something in the back of their head that they knew they needed to get the multiverse involved because of the success of Sony's Into the Spider-Verse? Do you think that Disney— Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: right? There there were 100% things in this movie where I was like, that was straight out of Spider-Verse.
1: Yes, exactly. And and it's like, because as we talked about on our Patreon we did Into the Spider-Verse, that movie, like people, I I mean, it's actually going to be interesting in the months to come how it's going to shake out. Uh, before this movie came out, the overwhelming consensus of fans is that Into the Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man movie, period. I know we talked about that on our Patreon episode. I have to imagine that Disney and Marvel were like, fuck, like, why'd we give that bit to Sony? Why'd we give Miles Morales to Sony? They did something that everybody fucking likes better than our Tom Holland Spider-Man. And so they had to go, well, they like multiverse, right? Let's do that. It had to be in their heads that they needed to get that success that Sony had.
0: There was even, like, the, the fact that they were on the, the train car in the Doctor Strange oh, yeah. world, that was straight up the train car hitting them in the... the weird generator thing that opened the multiverse yes
1: in, yes you're absolutely well, right th-
0: there were totally things that were like straight out of Into the Spider-Verse
1: you're right I'm surprised there wasn't a scene where Andrew Garfield uh, wanted to get some food because the restaurant closed in his universe right
0: <laughs> to that point Into the Spider-Verse is probably still
1: better than this I I would agree um, if uh, if everybody ch- uh, check out our Patreon for my thoughts on Into the Spider-Verse um, the movie that nearly gave me an aneurysm <laughs> but is still good somehow <laughs> Yeah, but okay, okay, yeah, that, and that's once again, it's it's just so weird. I think I'm with you. The cinemodities is such a tough question because, like you said, what happens on screen? It's a Marvel movie. I I don't think any Marvel movie can really be a cinemodity because they play it so safe and they play it, you know, so straightforward and so it's, it's a four quadrant, you know, going to work for everybody type of thing. But the implications of this movie and the existence of this movie is so wild. I. It, this is a tough one. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to revisit this in our four-year extravaganza. Maybe we'll, we need to mull this over. And like you said, maybe you need to see it again. And and I think that also brings me to Late Night. Late Night, I'm very defeated on. No, this is not a Late Night movie for me. As much as I, I liked it, I think it was just this viewing experience that, you know, lubed me up to to slide through this movie and really have a good time in the theater. It's a Marvel movie. I, I don't think I will ever want to watch this again. So I'm going to say no to Late Night. Uh, what do you think about Late Night, Ben?
0: Into the Spider-Verse set. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, so, that being said, you know, I there were times in this movie where we're watching Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire interact, and I'm like, I really just wish this was Spider Gwen.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Like, I wish, I
0: wish we were getting Miles Morales and Spider Gwen and, and uh, Spider Girl. Like, why, why introduce the multiverse? I just get three copies of the same Spider Man? Yeah. Why can't I get the different Spider Man? That sure. exists in the multiverse, and so like, and and I get like you can't. Well, they couldn't have done the nostalgia baiting if they had gone that route. But I, I felt like a little bit cheated because I was just like, there's so much more to the Spider-Man multiverse than just these three copies of what were supposed to be when they were created the original Spider-Man character.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, at, at, at that point, I, I'm I'm kind of with you. You know, it's um, it, it's the I would have liked to see new characters, but. I, I think, once again, that goes back to what we were saying. Like, this is the stepping stone. Maybe if if they keep it interesting with the multiverse stuff, maybe we could get a Spider-Gwen. Maybe we could get live-action representations of these things.
0: What? Where Spider-Man I think... Spider-Gwen movie, I'll watch it. Yeah. I don't even care if it's going to be good. I'll watch it. Because,
1: <laughs> you know, I need to know more
0: about Spider-Gwen.
1: Um, uh, what what I think they're going to do next is this multiverse... My my honest opinion is that regardless of what they do with Tom Holland, whether they go the interesting route or they go the stupid route with the symbiote and undoing the events at the end of this movie like we talked about, I think they're going to open the multiverse or use the multiverse as a way to open doors into the properties that they have uh, purchased through Fox and Marvel that they didn't have previously. I think the next... Maybe... Um, the big uh, end of, say, uh, Multiverse of Madness, the next Doctor Strange movie, I could see something as the post credit scene being, oh, we stopped the multiverse from bleeding through, but there were a few people that came into this universe or few th- characters that came into this universe that we couldn't get back, but they seem to be on our side, and it's going to be the Fantastic Four something like that, or it's going to be some segment of the X-Men, or it could be characters I'm not even thinking of, you know, uh, something like that. I totally see them as using the multiverse as a backdoor into, oh, now, since we retroactively, you know, nostalgically purchased these Spider-Man movies, let's do the same thing with the two Fantastic Four movies. Why don't we, why can't we own them either?
0: The multiverse parting in the X-Men universe causes some kind of radiation flare that gives Nightcrawler dimension hop- or <gasps> universe hopping there properties. You,
1: there you go. There you go. Oh god, I love Nightcrawler. I want to see him again. Me in the movie. too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Kurt Wagner. Uh,
1: he, he's like the best part of the X Men. I don't. I I never liked those uh, X Men. The three original X Men movies, but Nightcrawler was the best part.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's the opening sequence of the second X Men movie. Like we just get Nightcrawler beating the shit out of the whole Secret Service.
1: Yeah. That was dope. Yeah, that's some good... Yeah, Nightcrawler's awesome. That and was I, a great fight scene. And I, I would love to see those effects again. I love the effect of Nightcrawler in those X-Men movies where he would like puff into smoke type of stuff, like the yep. wisps, and, and I love that effect. And just, uh, yeah... I mean, it's the, it's like we said back in our, our body of this series, we were always saying, it's like, look at the sandbox they have now that they can play with. And I feel like before this movie, Disney buying all these properties, it gave them the sandbox, but they never had like a shovel in a bucket to play with. Now they have right. the shovel in the bucket to play with and they're going to fucking go overboard. They're probably going to start eating the sand. I don't know. <laughs> it's going to get crazy. <laughs> it's a wild yeah. time. What a wild time yeah. to be I- alive. I- <laughs> like the uh,
0: analogy um but no i mean if i if there's anything that i want to be right about in this conversation it's the nightcrawler thing that i just talked about because <laughs> yeah. uh, nightcrawler's dope wolverine is dope like kitty pride could even get involved with the whole Ooh, yeah being able to to walk through like the different like phase through the different universes or some shit mm-hmm. is exactly like professor x like we all know how crazy powerful professor x is like, let's get him involved in some Avenger-level threats. Like, I'm fucking all for it. Bring me the Silver Surfer. Bring me the Fantastic Four. If, if, smoke him if you got him. You know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, man. Could you imagine if they go, um like... um. I don't. I don't think they'd ever do this, but it's kind of, kind of. You know the route that like DC is going, where DC with they they tried their Justice League and that all kind of fell apart, and so now they're like giving um like James Gunn had the Suicide Squad, and you have the main the big characters everybody knows, like Harley Quinn's in that, uh, what Dead Deadshot or Deadlock or whatever the hell he's called. Yeah, like Dead you Shore. have the, the characters everybody knows, but then they pulled up shit like like Shark Man or whatever, they pulled up Polka Dot Man, like stuff yeah. that's just been sitting at the bottom of the barrel for years. Let's go balls to the wall, Marvel. Like, isn't Santa Claus an incredibly powerful mutant in this in the Marvel comic books? Fucking let's get Santa Claus in this. Come on, I'm with you, Ben. Smoke him if you got him. Go crazy. Smoke two at once if you got him.
0: <laughs> smoke two joints, man. In time of peace, and two in time of
1: Marvel. <laughs> Fucking smoke him. <laughs> Yes. Okay, I guess then that uh, leaves us with snacks, which is one, I, I don't have a lot of snacks for this because I was just kind of, you know, so when I left the theater and I was writing all my thoughts down so I wouldn't lose them, snacks was not what I was thinking about. But I do have two. Um, maybe you can remind me of this one, Ben. I wrote down Dr. Octopus's frozen burrito. Does he mention something about eating a frozen burrito at some point in John Favreau's apartment? Mm. So this is your plan, Peter? Mm. No lab,
0: no facilities, just performing miracles in a condominium. But hmm? you gotta cook up some cures and some frozen burritos in a microwave. I could go for a burrito. He's <laughs> gonna kill us all. Well,
1: let's hope not. I don't remember correctly. Okay. <laughs> for some uh, reason, that stood out to me.
0: <laughs> I know there's a point where like Aunt May asks him if he's thirsty. So perhaps following that, she asked him if he's hungry and he wants a burrito Okay, or like okay. I don't know.
1: So I don't really know what this would be, but Dr. Octopus's frozen burrito, maybe it's like served, maybe the holster of the burrito is like four of his things or something. But I don't know, getting a oh. frozen burrito on the menu is never a bad idea. <laughs> um, and then I also had, their, this one I remember, um, it's very quick, but when... What Ned and MJ and Spider Man they they first go down like the basement of Doctor Strange's or whatever the um the the, the sorcerer houses or whatever. And when Ned and and Zendaya are like looking around, we get that there. Oh, there's that weird joke where Zendaya picks up like um like goatee. Holder or something like she picks up some like hairspray that implies like that's what Doctor Strange uses to keep his facial hair looking like that. But there is a shot when Ned opens the refrigerator down there and there's just a bunch of weird creatures like there's moving things, there's there's like uh, you know nasty interdimensional magical stuff, it seems. So I figured we could just have that fridge and you know open it and use it as such. What do you think?
0: Great, I mean, we could try to figure out how to cook those things,
1: yes. Oh, yeah, Um... absolutely. Always good to. Find new species and immediately say, how do we consume this? <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. Um, those are the only two I had, though, really. I had no uh, no big snack ideas. Um, but did you have anything?
0: Yeah. So I actually have something. This is not really uh, for the customers. It's more for the staff. Nice. Uh, in, in the kitchen, I'm sure that we have some kind of meat cutting devices. Sure. Um so I'm thinking we get two of those portals and we get a saw blade and we weld it together in the middle, the way that I described <laughs> with that bar, and then we just have an infinitely falling saw blade um, oh, that's going fast yeah. enough to cut anything.
1: So it's like a constantly running um like like deli deli cutter or whatever those are called, like a, a meat slicer almost, you know? Yeah, yeah, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. like a bandsaw
0: almost. Yeah. And, and, it's, uh, and it it's, uh, also has the benefit of being 100% silent when you're not using it. <laughs>
1: I like that. I like that. Okay. So, I get behind that. And then also that seems like it's good to cut, you know, things in the restaurant for food, but if we ever need to do construction, sounds like it would work well as like you said, a bandsaw to maybe cut some lumber up or something. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Only problem is if
0: it ever like loses teeth, um, doing any kind of maintenance on it might be impossible.
1: Mm, That's a, okay. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, uh, we'll, 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 burn that bridge when we get to it. How about that? <laughs>
0: Or th- that being said, we should also have a play place for children kind of inspired by the mirror dimension, but I'm thinking like bargain bin mirror dimension. So like you got trains that are like, instead of it's like, you know, you want to loop it out around itself. It's just like a nest, uh, Russian nesting train. It's like they just get smaller as they come out.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like the Rus- Russian nesting train.
0: <laughs> so, you know, like, like a bargain bin, anything you can think of from the mirror dimension, but like bargain bin version of it.
1: Okay, okay. In a play place for children. I like this idea of that, you know, um, we we might have, like, a a, a slide at your own risk slide, and and it's basically, like, there's a portal at the bottom of the slide that puts you back at the start, so it's like, when you start this slide, you're never getting off, type of thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, infinite falling, but with a little slide in the middle. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and if you do it right, it would just just feel like one long slide. Like, It, it would never feel... Yes, yes. Oh, that's great.
1: Oh my That's God! Great. Could you imagine? I'm oh, so so this I'm picturing this scenario: a family comes in the restaurant. Uh, the 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 parents want to have their own dinner or whatever, so they they do as what many uh, parents do: they drop their kid off at the uh, the the kids' portion, the Sin E Commodities portion of the restaurant. They have their meal. Uh, let's let's say somehow they survive the meal and they're ready to leave, and they go back to uh, pick up their kid from Sin E Commodities. I don't know. They have they probably have like a valet card or something for their kid, uh, so they know which one t- to get or something like that. And and I'm just imagining like they go up to the little kiosk or the staff member and they say, it's like, yeah, I'm here I'm here to pick up child, you know, four, four, eight, three or whatever. And um, person takes the ticket, goes back into the to the area or whatever, you know, like they're going to get a coat or something like that. Come back out with no kid and go, sorry to tell you this, but uh, your kid went on the infinite slide. You can't get off that. <laughs> like your kid's gone. <laughs>
0: But how many kids can be on the infinite slide at once? Because uh, it's really a finite slide that's just being used over and over again, right? Yes. Uh,
1: <laughs> now I'm imagining. Now I'm imagining, just like you hear in a grocery store, like clean up on aisle eleven, you hear like Tom, Tom, the infinite slide is overflowing with kids again.
0: <laughs> well, I, I mean, even better than that, right? You got kids going different speeds. <laughs> like you got one who's been on there for like a day, so he's he's fucking booking it, right? And then you got a new kid who wants to join in.
1: You got kids who want to climb up it.
0: He's going like a third (laughs) tops, you know, a thirtieth the speed of the first kid. There's Mm going to be a collision.
1: That's great. (laughs) this is awesome this is this is why I'm so glad it's come full circle Ben this is why I'm so glad you were here to ask the real questions about portal mechanics because we are gonna need to figure this out for this slide now we're gonna need to figure it out
0: <laughs> so what what if we do like a like what I was talking about with with the metal pole but you human centipede a human to himself ah <laughs>
1: Now, that is a a great premise for a horror movie.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry that I made anybody out there think about
1: that. No, that's good. That's good. Um, Yeah, we'll we'll cover those one day, the Human Centipede trilogy. Have you seen all three of the Human Centipede movies? I don't think I've seen any of them. Oh, God. It is crazy. I think the last one is a... Because the first one's three people form the Human Centipede. I think the second one is a hundred... Or no, it's probably ten, and then the third one's a hundred. I know the third one is like a prison exists, and every time a new prisoner comes in, they just get attached to the human centipede or something like oh. that. It is really weird, <laughs> to say the least. That
0: sounds crazy.
1: All right. Well, I guess, um, I guess that that's that's it. We've covered Spider Man No Way Home. We finished our. Uh, spectacular Spider Month's giving series. I guess we'll return to it when some new Spider-Man thing comes out. Thankfully, that won't be anytime soon. Um, So, if there's nothing else from you, Ben, we get to... Yell at our audience about many, many things. Let's start with the Patreon. So if you liked this discussion between Ben and I, as, as nerdy as it was about Spider-Man and portals and stuff like that, uh, definitely check out the Patreon. This is what Ben and I do a lot of on there. And I think this is a neat tie-in, uh, because in this month, at the end of this month on Patreon, uh, we are going to be covering a different MCU movie. Um, we're actually going to be discussing Iron Man 3, uh, I think we're doing that for a relation to MCU. I think we're doing that as a relation to Shane Black, who we like to talk about a lot on the on the Patreon. Uh, but yeah, nice little tie-in that we have some MCU kind of, you know, just remnants uh, on Cinemodities. So patreon.com slash cinemodities. Come check it out. There's a lot of good stuff on there. Ben, anything you want to say about the Patreon?
0: Patreon, you're going to get some uncensored, unadulterated Robin Ben shenanigans. <laughs> yes. um, it is a wild ride, I think, to say the least, there's all kinds of stuff. There's there's movies. There's, I don't know, was, was Tom McDonald on the Patreon or was that on the no, main
1: that, feed? No, that was main feed. That was main feed. <sighs> um. Well... listen to that also (laughs) yes yes all our song screed stuff um yeah i also i do want to say because uh it it came out recently so if you sign up for the patreon this will already be out um we do the fan requests of course you can you can you know check it out look at the tiers you can actually you know pay enough for ben and i force ben and i to watch and discuss a movie uh the most recent version of that was christmas with the cranks shout out to joseph michael um uh, and i think that's a good a good essence of the episodes on the Patreon usually aren't, like, as long as some of our main feed episodes, but goddammit, they are dense. Like, our Christmas at the Cranks episode, I think, is, like, 82 minutes long, Ben, but it is 82 unadulterated minutes of screaming about that movie. <laughs> like, like we lose our minds in that discussion. And so that's what you should expect. A lot of this just, holy shit, what are we doing to ourselves?
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's that's definitely worth hearing, I think, that, that whole... Cranks discussion, um, and and to that point, like I said, we're we're a little more uncensored on Patreon. That is that is stuff that is behind a paywall. You get to hear a little bit more about me and Rob, and I think there's also some rants episodes out there. I don't yeah. know how many of those have come out. You get to hear a little more about what we think about other stuff if you're at all interested in that.
1: Yes, um, yes, there. I think there's two uh rants episodes, and uh, God, we some of that stuff I forget about, and then I go back to it, and I'm just like, I look at like what I call some of those segments, and I'm like why did I call this eating sand? And it's, I listen to it and I'm like, oh my God, we talked about eating sand for 12 minutes and how Google doesn't want you to eat sand. And it's just like, it's it's good fun, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that that's, uh, you know, like I said, you can get to know us a little better, get to experience the weird things that we discussed when we lived near each other <laughs> all the time, uh, but now broken down and segmented for your enjoyment. So yes. that's- um, Definitely come check out the Patreon. Show us that support. Show us you you love us and you like what we're doing and you want to keep hearing it. Um, smash that like button if there is one. I don't think that makes sense for podcasts. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, on Patreon it doesn't work too well. Um, uh, for, for the main feed, as I always like to say, take that like button to pound town. Oh, sure, yeah. An odd number of times, because I'm pretty sure, like, if you click it once, like, it turns on, like, you you liked it or you followed us. If you click it again, it'll unfollow us, so you have to take it to pound town an odd number of times for it to work. Otherwise, you've gotten nowhere. You've just spun your wheels. <laughs>
0: Yeah, don't don't give us any of that two pumps apologise. We need at least three <laughs> pumps apologize. Um
1: I think that comes up on one of our Patreon episodes from one of the Blumhouse things. You're like, this is like a two pump chump, The sex scene. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Uh but yeah, come check it out. We oh well, you know, as always we want to hear from our Patreon BNS. Also we wanna hear what you think we should call you. Um. Yes, yes.
1: Oh, and also on that note, um, before I throw it over to you for more things to plug, Ben, um, uh, you can go to our Patreon. We recommend you check it out, not only to um, subscribe and, and earn access to more bonus content and to support the podcast, but also on there you can find free to download for anybody. Uh, I, I don't even think you need like, a Patreon account. I'm not exactly how sure how it works, but just free to the public. We Ben and I have two commentaries on there, commentary tracks, uh, that you can you know actually watch along with the movie and uh, hear us complaining about it. Um, one is for the Wolfman and one is for real steel. And I, I think we would like to have uh, some feedback on that. Like we said in some other episodes, we want to know what people think, if we should keep doing it, that type of thing. But yes, uh, definitely. So there is some stuff to check out on the, uh, on the Patreon that you can get for free. Okay. If there's nothing else about the Patreon, Ben, what do you have to throw us in this 2022 episode? Well,
0: as you know, I am um, I'm an app developer by trade, but I'm also I started my own company a little while back. I am an independent app developer, and I've written an app called the Life Counter that is the dopest app for tracking your life total while playing Magic: The Gathering, yeah. especially yeah. if you play Commander. Now, there have been some updates to this. I have recently decided to make the life counter free. And if you want to support me, you are now able to do so by using my affiliate link with a website called TCG Player. Oh, if
1: nice. you need
0: to buy anything trading card related, you can use my affiliate link. You can buy the things you were going to buy anyway, not pay any extra money, and I'll get a kick pack just for sending them your business. I uh, have provided a shortened link to Rob through our Discord chat. Uh, I'm going to say it here, but Rob's going to write it in the con- or in the description of this episode for us. It is bit.ly forward slash the life counter. Yes. And that will take you to TCG player. Use, it'll, it'll put my affiliate link in for you. You don't need to do anything else. Shop to your heart's desire. Buy those products and send me, that three percent juicy, juicy kickback. Yeah. And now, now that the app is free, um, I hope to get more people using it. And the app, of course, has this support link in it as well. So if you want to give the app a shot, and you also want to, and decide that you want to support us after using it, you can do so. Uh, by following the link in the app
1: absolutely and as i said before i can attest i have used this app uh playing magic and uh it is great it's something that i wish i had back in my professional Yu Gi Oh days um but, but before smartphones were a thing so that, i don't think that could have happened but yes it is a great app everybody check out those links um i think the only other thing i wanted to say before we finish this up ben is um Uh, It is a new year, 2022, and I I scream this into the void every year, but as our cinema audience knows or probably does not remember, at the end of every year give my top 50 songs. So I'm going to put my link to my Rob's top 50 songs of the year in uh, to, on Spotify uh, in the show notes. If anybody wants to know what Rob has been listening to throughout the year, definitely check it out. Uh, gotta say, Ben, you know, as another connection to Songstreet, a Foxy Shazam song did make it on to the playlist this year. Glad to hear it. I, I guess with all that being said, um, harass us through email. Of course, cinemodities at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the Cinemodities subreddit, uh, reddit.com r cinemodities for more information about the show. And then I think the only thing we have left, Ben, is how are we going to end this episode? And I think very nicely I would like to play um, the ending credits music from uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, which was The Magic Number by De La Soul in reverse. Well, then, Ben, we did it! The spectacular Spider-Month's giving has finally come to a close.
0: Good news, very exciting. Glad that I could be here
1: for
0: it. Woo! the I don't a good thing. don't it's don't think it's a I don't think it's a good I don't a good thing. I don't think it's a good I don't a good I don't think it's a good I don't a good
1: thing. I don't think a good I don't a don't I you one is <laughs> and not the the is <laughs> we stand
0: the a what?